1: Hello and welcome to another exciting episode of the Comic Book Chronicles. I am your host, Roddy Cat, and you can find me at Roddy Cat on Twitter. You can find me at News Need on Twitter, and you can find me at CBcaps on Instagram. South
2: Carolina with Columbia down the way.
1: And that sound effect you heard comes from none other than our man in Brooklyn, Brooklyn's finest one, Agent underscore 70.
0: What's up everybody? You can find me on at Agent underscore 70 on Twitter at Instagram.
1: NO Sleep! <laughs> Brooklyn Wait, did I not say it? I'm so sorry. <laughs> it's-
0: this is what we. This is what happens when I start listening to the show back. I'm like, oh, Roddy Cat's
1: not plugging me. All right, fine, I'll plug <laughs> no, myself. No, I actually, I'm. do. <laughs> like, but well, I guess even if I don't I do it at the end of the show, but I definitely. I just, right. Like, wait, did I, I just totally just blank? Like, did I not just do it? <laughs>
0: So anyway, funny, folks, we've been doing this for so long, <laughs> yeah. It's kind of, I know, right? And Pro- that's professionals a, that's here, a distinct reminder, right? I was gonna say, that is the distinct reminder of the anniversary that we have coming up,
1: indeed, indeed, indeed. This is episode 399. Next week will be 400, as we said at the end of the last show. Or we'll probably will repeat at the end of this show. So, you know, we don't, we we got plans, we don't have anything big, but we got something, some a little something, something special to Some folks out there, I think. We are totally up to three ninety nine, folks, for real. Yeah, That's kind of, crazy. Yeah, it's kind of ridiculous. And, and and I guess it kind of goes with a little bit of a caveat because I know I remember when we actually started keeping track of the numbers. Um, even though we we're still not entirely sure, like we might be give or take one or two, put it that way. Uh, but still, yeah, you know, officially we got, we definitely got three hundred in the bank or four hundred in the bank. Hell yeah. So. Shout out to us.
0: Let's <laughs> <laughs> pat ourselves on
1: it. I mean, sometimes you got to. You know, if if no one else will, you know, you got to, you know. Um But yeah, look at i uh, hope definitely if you don't check it, well first I will we'll go ahead and say that uh shout out to everybody who either is either watching us on Twitch, that's twitch.tv slash combo chronicles, or on the Click Nation YouTube channel, that's uh YouTube dot slash uh the click nation d-k-l-i-q-n-a-t-i-o-n where we record live every thursday night i probably should start doing that up front a little bit more often but you know I, I feel like you, you catch us one way you catch us the other you know absolutely so well, anyway. make sure to hit
0: like and subscribe because you want to see us pop up in your notifications
1: exactly. absolutely you know would you not want to see these faces ding but uh but anyway we are going to start off with uh books of the week as we tend to do with uh, there's only two m's not three immortal hulk number 42
0: This book is written by Al Ewing, and there is a host of artists and inkers on this story because each of them is drawing a specific sequence in the book. I'm just going to list them in the order that they appear. On art, we have Alex Linz, Adam Gorham, Rachel Stott, Joe Bennett, and Rui Jose. And uh, on colors, we have Chris O'Halloran, Paul Mounts, um they basically split up the uh, the colors on these uh, story sequences.
1: Indeed. And as we were talking before the show, like, yeah, this, this, um, you know, we've, we've been on this book since, since the get. So what we, or what I'm about to say is, shouldn't be any surprise if you listen to us for any minute, this story watched us for any length of time. And uh, this book has continued to be great um you know more times than sometimes more than others but still consistently some good stuff and it never ceases to surprises on some things and i say all that to say that this issue while a little bit lighter on action uh still kind of caught us with a surprise because uh, as the uh, folks may or may not know uh immortal hulk is ending with issue 50 Right. Uh, so, which means forty-two is like, yeah, we don't have much else to go, but at the same time, they're still managing to do some stuff and probably starting to tie up some loose ends that haven't that's been kind of lingering for the longest.
0: Right, and leading to whatever climax in the story that Al Ewing has up his sleeve. So, it's a mix of both of those.
1: Mm-hmm. So that being the case, um, <clears throat> there's a character that's been uh, with the series for pretty much the whole length of time. That we are just finding out some new information on,
0: right? It's a big reveal regarding Jackie McGee. Mm-hmm. Not spoiling anything, but it's a big reveal regarding her Absolutely. and the change. And actually, there's a, this is a minor spoiler, but there's a change in her job status. It mm-hmm. kind of sucks.
1: Um, actually, there's a few there's changes in a few people's, uh, a couple of people's, uh, job status. Uh, uh, right. of course it is.
0: Exactly, exactly. Because what Roddy Cat is referring to is Gamma Flight is dealing with uh, Henry Gyrick. <laughs> and the consequences of Joe Fixit Hulk escaping from uh, the Alpha Flight Space Station in uh, in, in the past several issues. Um, uh, there's a couple of other developments in, uh, involving Gyrick because uh, he apparently puts together a backup team uh, that's going to be familiar to Hulk readers. It's something that Roddy Cat uh, was very prescient about and predicted many, many moons ago when we were talking about this book.
1: Yeah, and and to be fair, like you said earlier, it was like yeah, we kind of we kind of well, well, one, we kind of knew it was coming. We could have would have known this was coming if we read the uh, But also, it's we've talked about it before. The fact that you know the way they've been bringing up folks like left and right, it it was only a matter of time before these folks showed up. Right, it was bound to happen. Mm-hmm.
0: And so, and I guess the last thing we can we can we can we can mention about this book is that the leader makes a connection and sure. um unfortunately or fortunately because i know that al ewing loves to quote scripture in this book um uh quotes a a a, a great gospel hymn that we all know it's yeah. Uh, it's, found, it's yeah it's found its place within pretty much all uh sects of christianity and i when i when i read that i got chills
1: Right. I I had to I had to laugh at that part. I was like, okay, that's That's amusing.
0: <laughs> I absolutely got chills. You know, we've all heard this particular song sung in every different set, you know, like you know, like several different settings and arrangements, mm-hmm. you know, more gospel, more country. I'm not a big fan of the country, but you know, we've heard it in a million different ways. And and, and to see, you know, those Partic- that particular refrain or that particular verse, you know, uh, uh, spoken by, you know, the characters, and I mentioned the plural in that, Correct. was, like I said, definitely gave me chills. I had the, I definitely got the, uh, I, I don't know if that's the intended feeling that <laughs> Al Ewing wanted to give,
1: but I got it. Right well he yeah regardless of whether that was the case or not he definitely wanted to evoke something and he surely he did in that kind of, like you know intentionality aside so um but yeah that that whole thing made me laugh i was like okay did you really set that whole part up just to, just to say that part i mean just to say that line or not but Regardless, it doesn't matter. So it's like
0: I feel like that's something I want to ask Al Ewing whenever I see him at the next New York Comic Con. <laughs> like when I see him next, which is scary because I got him to sign my first two issues of Immortal Hulk, and by the time we see him again at New York Comic Con, Immortal Hulk will have finished fifty issues. I mean, my it's my sincere hope that I see him and I will ask him, "Hey, in number forty-two, is that what you meant?" <laughs> <laughs>
1: Yeah, it was, it was like yeah, like that was a pretty good um that was a pretty smooth setup, I admit. But but it also seemed like it was just a setup for that line, so that was you know I'm not mad at it. <laughs> I am not mad at it at all. <laughs> uh but that being the case, I'm so I'm trying to think about if was there anything else that that came out and like, yeah, without giving too much away and even in that part we were trying to figure out what What the leader was trying to do. Um, And as I say in my notes, I was like, he's basically trying to use Bruce as a gamma surgery, bro, seems like. Uh, But I'm not entirely sure if that was the full case or not, you know.
0: Right. I wasn't 100% sure what's happening uh, in that sequence. I know that it seemed like the leader is looking to, um, I guess, research both his own connection uh his own, his own gamma connection and Bruce's,
1: and I guess everybody else is at the in in some order right, so I guess yeah, maybe we'll see in the next issue or two where that's leading him Because um, surely I we're coming kind of slowly coming not even slowly but we're starting to come into the stretch, so that's gonna have to happen in the next couple of issues, but you know knowing how how Ewing works we probably won't get into the last the last one at that. And probably even open him up with something else that that's coming down the line, you know I would not be surprised by that, right. I'd be interested to see where he where he leaves
0: the character at the end of this run. Right. very interested mm-hmm.
1: and as much as I hate to bring this up, but i'm I'm kind of still kind of curious as to whether any of that mitra stuff is gonna play into uh anything
0: oh into this run, right. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting to think about it because it feels like the Maestro stuff is kind of a logical segue because he does survive. You know, that's kind of the whole point of the story is that he does survive a nuclear holocaust. Right. So, um, you know, we'll see. We'll see. We'll see uh, if, if Peter David incorporates any of that stuff, you know, in, in the next uh uh, miniseries.
1: That's going to be out soon. Right. Right. And we know he's at the very least touched on some of the Motor Hulk stuff, but not really. But there's still a couple of questions that I've had that still have not been touched on. And right. I, don't th- I don't know if we're ever going to get those answers. Um Or even if they even matter at this point, honestly. So... With that being said, was that... I said, no, no, absolutely. I agree. Yeah. All right. But yeah, now we're going to move <laughs> on to Thanos. Um I guess... Let's go to Spidey. Go ahead and get that out of the way. All right, so we are now going to discuss Amazing
0: Spider-Man number 57, written by Nick Spencer, with pencils by Mark Bagley. And if you look at this and notice that Bagley's pencils are super tight, it's because there are literally three people inking him. That's John Dell, Andrew Hennessy, and Andy Owens, uh, with colors by Rochelle Rosenberg and Edgar Delgado.
1: So it was another thing that we've kind of noted before the before the show. that was like, yeah, there's a few books this week that have got some um, a, a gang of uh, a, a gang of lineup for the creative team, especially on the art section, obviously. But you know, um, no, not even obvious, but but uh, supportingly, right? So. I mean, I wonder if it's you know, and and this is just conjecture on my part.
0: I wonder if it's just Marvel trying to split up the duties so that things get done. Or maybe just to, to 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 give some people work during COVID,
1: could be. I mean, if it's the latter, I would. I'm, I'm glad for that. You
0: right, know? and I would also mention that, and and this is obviously a little backhanded compliment to Bagley. I'm not that big a fan of his art. I know Tim uh, at Tim Dog ninety eight is. If you look at his art in this issue and in the previous issues that he's done on Amazing, it's very clean. It's, it's very, uh, the, 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 all the, the, the blacks are spotted, the lines are closed because there's a gang of inkers on these books. There's a gang, you know, and there's literally a gang of colors because we know that Rochelle Rosenberg and Edgar, Edgar Delgado can handle colors on this book by themselves easily. But because both of them are on it, they're, they're both able to, you know, probably put their all into these
1: uh, pages and really make Pagley's art look better than it has in a long time right and under normal circumstances and i think and that will become apparent in a couple of these books that we talked about the the reason why some of that happens is because they will have different artists for different for different reasons for different uh you know sometimes right. different timelines different you know d- to evoke to different things in this particular book i don't that's well, i not guess the they case. kind of still okay. do that Yeah, that's still kind of the case because thinking think about what happened in the beginning
0: um, I mean, it could be. We don't know. You know, it's not as clearly delineated right. like it was in Immortal Hulk. Like, there's literally sequences like set apart right. that you can tell, and they actually name that in the cre- in the credits. But, um, but yeah, this this again, this is just me taking shots at uh, at Mark Bagley. Um, it's it's not because um, he he uh, he kind of uh, bitched and moaned when I tried to ask him for a free sketch back when I was poor. <laughs> shots fired Mark Bagley uh, <laughs> you know what's funny is that I saw him like years later at a New York Comic Con nobody standing in front of him mm-hmm. and I'm just kind of giggling because he you know he'd kind of come back down to earth and wasn't that popular mm-hmm. you know so
1: yeah shots fired <laughs> but get into the story proper though um, it, this is post mortem part 2 we yeah. were poking fun at this oh, yeah, last we definitely roommate. were Um, but yeah, I was like, yeah, In matter of fact, I think we even said it before the show. was like, really? Why is this keep, why is this lingering so much? Cause like, we had the postmortem last thing, now it's a postmortem part two. Like, what, you're gonna do a part four now in part three or four? Like, get Lord. on with it. Let's keep going. <laughs> like, we we ain't even gotten to the next arc. Well, I guess we were after this episode, after this issue, finally. Um, right. but, um, like, all these postmortems and side issues are getting really ridiculous uh but uh, as far as the story is concerned though um this is pretty much the aftermath of what happened last issue and you know um uh, spidey's reunited with uh, mary jane and the rest of the with the rest of the the order who now has a new official name i suppose i guess that's right. what that is right it's not the first time a group of heroes have called themselves the order themselves the order true right um, but unless, unless they come up to something else later, then I guess that's that, you know, uh, because they felt the need to call it out. Mm-hmm. And, of course, they want answers as to what's going on, and Peter can't really give it to them. Peter's still kind of being himself. Then we cut to, uh, pretty much the end of last episode, uh, last issue, where he breaks into, um, I guess that's Ravencroft, where, um, uh, where kindred is being held by uh, Kingpin and Norman Osborn, and he's wanting answers, rightfully so, mm-hmm. from Norman Osborn about about you know about stuff that happened. So pretty much the, most of the 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 rest of the issue is pretty much them two hashing it out, and and Spidey kind of losing it just a little bit, just with, a little with uh, with Norman before basically saying, "Look, don't you talk to me or my son or my family ever again." Um. And he goes off, you know, uh, presumably, well, to get back to, to Mary Jane at the end of this thing. But we also, uh, as the Order so so much said at uh, in the end of this, like, yeah, we know this ain't over. So we need right. to find out what's going on. And then, luckily, Peter even knows at the end of this issue that it's not over. Because in between the the part where he leaves Norman and uh, to the end of the issue, uh, we get pretty much a monologue with uh, Kindred.
0: Right. Pretty, pretty we much. find out that Kindred's capture, quote-unquote, may be exactly what he wanted. Exactly. Maybe, Which we part, can't of his, maybe part of his plan. Hmm. Uh, there's a couple of just other things I wanted to note. Um, the poorly colored character on the last page of last issue was, in fact, Spidey. Hmm. Um, that's just me taking shots at, uh, you, know, I, you know, and I love Rochelle Rosenberg. She's mad cool. Um, but yeah, whoever was coloring that page really dropped the ball. Um, uh, what you gonna call it? I find it weird, but at the same time, very Spider Versey. Not movie, not in the movie sense, but in the comic book sense. That mad that the new Madame Web is literally on these adventures with the rest of the Order of the Web or the Order, uh, because it's it's uh, Julia Carpenter who tells these characters, hey you need to back off because it's not our time uh, for answers, but it's, you know, Peter Parker's time for answers. Right. Oh, it's funny. You know, it's funny to see um, the Madam Web character, the the mantle of Madam Web actually being an active participant in the adventure as opposed to what we were used to seeing with the old Madam Web who Spidey used to once in a while have to consult
1: um, right. as an aside uh, during his, uh, his stories. So... Right. And even in this case, it's still kind of a quote, quote, unquote, active because there has been a few different times where, yeah. And and granted, it makes sense because she kind of knows what's happening to a point, you know, why she didn't act on certain things or not. Right.
0: Um, Yeah. If you get to the last page without spoiling it too much, um, the last uh, the last page. I guess teases the cover of the next issue, and it re- and it revolves around the return of a villain who had been uh, shot down and 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 um, had his powers taken by uh, the Sin Eater. So that is, you know, it's a it's a mild spoiler because that list involves several characters,
1: contains several characters, but it does. Uh, hint at the return of one such character right and actually you just reminded me of something else that i'm not not to not to give uh not to spoil this part about it but in the midst of uh like i said spidey leaving norman and uh kendrick's whole kendrick's whole monologue we also see that there's been some information gained by uh carly cooper um um, and she's trying to uh, get in contact with Mary Jane before, you know, you know, to, because apparently it's something, you know, dealing with... It's her. something
0: very Kindred related.
1: Exactly. Um, and we unfortunately don't get to find out what that information fully is because of something that happens uh, to her. Um,
0: her call gets disconnected or interrupted. Yes. We'll put it that way.
1: Yes. So, and as I like I said, uh, that we'll probably won't find out for for a few issues the way some some of this tends to go, you know, what right. that information is, or who that information is about. I guess also specifically. So,
0: and it it seems likely that it's part of kindred's plan as to you know his his quote unquote capture right. but uh, but yeah just very quickly before we move on we were commenting to uh, uh, before the show started about how we're feeling about the direction of the amazing Spidey book and you know I have to admit that this particular storyline not just the postmortem but last remains has proven very frustrating for me to read and Uh, I, you know, without putting words into Roddy Cat's mouth, he in general concurs.
1: That's fair enough to say, like, yeah, usually I'm a fan of like, yeah, we know something's going to get somewhere and, you know, it's good to enjoy the journey getting there. In this case, definitely it's kind of lingering a little bit too long on some stuff. And there's there's been a little bit. Yeah, there's been a little bit too much. That's like, okay this was this very this is very much needs to be an issue, a whole ass issue of a book. So, yeah, I do definitely concur. Yes. All righty. So, President Bartman. What's next? So, you seem to have been wanting to talk about Sword. Um, sure. So, we might as well go ahead and get into the Xbox now, or the two X that came out this week, anyway. So, Sword Number Two, folks.
0: I was about to say there is a second.
1: Uh, what should we'll call it? There is a second. Uh,
0: uh, X book out this week mm-hmm. so sword was written by our good man Al Ewing <laughs> with art by Valerio Schiedi, color and colors by Marte Gracia um, like it or not this is the sword issue that crosses over with King and Black
1: yeah, except for it doesn't have the banner on it, but the, the cover definitely said. You know, if you didn't, if you didn't pay attention to the cover, I don't know what to tell you on that one. But um, <laughs> but the cover pretty much tells even tells it even if there is no banner for King and Black. Right. Um. But yeah, so we find Sword basically catching up with with King and Black, and the part that um, which about I, I'm gonna go so as far as to say that if you have not been reading King and Black and you like me don't really care but still kind of want to know what's going on. Um I'm a, I will probably put um a couple of links to some videos cuz there's a I don't know if you, you know about Variant Comics. I mean not Variant Comics, but Variant the the YouTube channel. I don't. Yeah, so they do the Variant is the kind of one to do Combo channels, which they will do like, hey, here's the history of this character, this this character, or that kind of stuff. But they've also been doing like, well, here's this storyline, here's this storyline, and he's been doing um, the the King in Black stuff since uh since the last part of Venom, at the very least. <laughs> so if you want to really catch up with what's happened on, um, almost like a like what we do with treasure editions and and or our recaps, because the, the last couple almost all were pretty much that direct, but um. If you want to find out what's been going on in the pages of Venom and King and Black, definitely um, like so check out those links that I'll put in the show notes.
0: Right. But that being said... I, uh, yeah, we, I was, I'm doing my best to skim. Like, right. I skimmed a bunch
1: of the books this week. I, I didn't feel that... I didn't feel like they were worth talking about. I hate to say it. Yeah. Uh, but I think in this case, he pretty much does, like, the main line. It's like, like, I haven't seen him doing any side stuff. Like, it's been, like, Venom and then King in Black 1 and 2. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah, I mean, I read those, so... Right. But uh, but that's good. I'm I'm glad that that's that's out there. Yeah. Um, I just
0: don't have the I don't have the wherewithal to talk about the story in full.
1: I, I'm sorry, ladies and gentlemen. Same here. Like I've I've been on record to say like I really don't care that much about King and Black, but the, only because of the fact that it's crossing over in the books that I actually re- that we actually read. You know. Right. It it kind of spills into something into our view, and All here's right. the case as, right now.
0: Yeah, I was about to say as Roddy Cat mentioned this this book does in fact. Lack the banner and probably doesn't involve any of the crossover. Um, uh, it doesn't involve. It doesn't find itself on any of the uh, the reading checklists for King and Black, but uh, the King and Black crossover does in fact have an impact upon the X books, including Sword. And what we what we find is that Abigail Brand, as the head of Sword, has a specific set of protocols in place for def- for several for different eventualities and she puts one of them into effect namely protocol V we don't know what V stands for but we definitely see that it has something to do with um, preserving all of mutantum in the face of a null level like planet
1: wide threat um, i suspect that this director is what you think it is because V is also the number 5 in, in latin so that's probably yeah, and most given, likely. Yeah, and given who's involved, you know, with that, that it that tends to make more sense. Um well, but, more than likely that's what it is. Yeah. Um but we also find out which is probably not that big of a surprise, LB uh Abigail brands got a little bit more um Nick Fury, you know, in her inner in um in her thinking. Not that she not that she wasn't already but you can kind of tell some of these moves she's making are also reminiscent of of rick, rick uh, nick fury by you know i got a contingency plan for this and this and this and i got to think she even says in the book like yeah i got to think like two three steps ahead because you know um and, th- and matter of fact even at the end of um our empire like we when we when she, when she shows up it was like yeah we gotta we ought to be thinking about stuff that's coming not less the stuff that just kind of gets thrown in our lap Right? Doesn't she mention something about uh, a
0: Shield or Fury, uh, mm-hmm. uh, uh, like slush fund or yes. a, or an account? So yeah, I mean, obviously she is, you know, she's former Shield. So um, because Sword was a, a branch of Shield, so um, the, you know that that line of uh, of thinking definitely runs in that, you know, in the higher ups in the organization. Mm-hmm. Um, another thing that we see pop up. You know, as several mutants are trying to deal with the uh King and Black invasion, um, we see Fabian Cortez uh you know show his face yet again. Um more so than the first issue, and he remains the scheming, you know, uh racist. Um we see the return of the flat scan uh slur. <laughs> Oh, come back! I don't know yeah. if you remember that. Yeah, I do. Yeah, I was yeah. like, "Oh no, we brought that back."
1: Hmm. And uh, in, in this wait, wait, actually, it's not this issue. It's Morado's that that uh, a similar thing, not a similar thing, but something else actually comes up on the racist part, but not with him. Right. Um, and
0: uh, what's funny about this, and I'll leave it. You know, like there's there's a lot of cool stuff happening in this issue that I don't want to spoil. But there is one thing that does happen with Fabian Cortez and Sunfire. Where it makes you wonder if he's making a change in appearance to
1: his Age of Apocalypse form. You know, I did kind of wonder that too. It was like, yeah, because you know, if you know anything about Fabian Cortez, he does have the power to to amp other mutants up, right? Um, for a time, I guess. For a time, right? So yeah, I would imagine once he comes down, which I, I know even they said in the, in the course of this book in, with uh, him himself and the data pages was like, yeah, he's he's kind of toned it down to where it, his powers weren't addictive. Uh, introduced right. in, in, in into boosting folks. Alright. Um, you
0: just have to remember him in X Men number one through three,
1: mm-hmm.
0: uh, the, the the Claremont Lee X Men before uh, Claremont left the book, and you remember what Fabian Cortez, you know, and, and his effect on Magneto was, and uh, as as
1: as that relationship deterior, deteriorated going forward. Right, and even uh, another character in this issue was pressing. We're like, "Yep, falling back into old habits again." Let's see.
0: Oh yeah, frenzy. One of the other acolytes.
1: Mm-hmm. So, and it was kind of making note of uh, making note of that, uh, thinking one way, you know. And I think even Magneto was like, because even because Magneto showed up last issue, and was kind of uh, ignoring. Fabian because he, he you, you have to know that he remembers and holds still kinda of holds some sort of grudge, but because of what happened in in this issue, he kinda of had to acknowledge, you know, what Cortez did, so Cortez kinda of took is trying to take advantage of that, but I would like to believe that Mike Mignito you know, is not dumb. Um <laughs> at that being case. Pretty much. So, but yeah, just to kind of the uh, as far as this being a uh, king of black tie in and what's going on on the earth, I'm actually kind of surprised they did this, but because uh, there's been uh, bigger events in the past that had no acknowledgement, like the rest of the corner, like the X Men overall doing this own thing, uh, and you know, and everybody on Earth or in some one section of Earth or whatever is you know doing their thing. Without no acknowledgement under in the books that are not affected, uh, not a lot of times, and it being the the ex-corner of the book, because like I said, they either get they're either doing their own thing, or you get some one offline about, oh, yeah, well, they got a thing going on, or some, 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 at least in this case, they acknowledge the fact that hey, you know, the stuff that's been going on in the King of Black is actually still affecting them because you know, of what happens. So, I don't they didn't necessarily have to do that, but the fact that they did, I guess is a good thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's pretty much, you know, much needed to be said about that. And there's no, Oh yeah. The only other thing I was going to mention was that, um, we see a figure that looks like cable in the beginning and we see that same figure at the end. And there's also a notable, uh, the, a note that one cable's missing. Young cable is missing. Right. Uh, for one reason we don't know we still not necessarily don't well actually i'm not but sure if we, we still know given no we do find out why he's missing because well because of the last reveal page but that's what i'm saying like is that like i thought that same thing but i also thought we'd know old cable is still out there running around so i was thinking that might have been him but also because but old cable doesn't have swords sword so I, that's why i was like okay yeah that's that must mm. be him Exactly, exactly. Still got the sword of Galador. Right. Um but also there was another hope you survive um reference which also happened in the first issue too, which was like is there, are they trying to make that a thing or is this... <laughs> it's just the nicer side, you know, it's like an in-joke that we all that you
0: know that long-time X-Men readers, you know, are going to understand. That's what right. I, that's how I read it.
1: Yeah, mm-hmm. but I was like but the fact that it happened in two straight issues, I was like okay, that's kind of amusing. Um
0: but that's, that being like, the that's case, Al Ewing for you.
1: Well, there is that, so... You know. But that, uh, being that, that was sword number two, and I guess we'll go ahead and push on to the other Marauders book of the week, which is Marauders number 17.
0: Sure. Marauders 17, written by uh, Jerry Duggan, with art by Matteo Loli, and colors by Edgar Delgado. The Hellfire Trading Company is making moves. In Madripoor against Hominus Verendi.
1: Yeah, I actually like I like this issue. I mean, Marauders is always some something interesting about Marauders is going is going on. Um, like what right. part Marauders of the book is?
0: Kinda... I was about to say Marauders is definitely much more in the intrigue business as opposed to the action and adventure. Right. You know there's much more to this. I'm sorry to interrupt. Go ahead.
1: No, no, you're good. You're good. You're good. You're right. Because, yeah, cause that's exactly right. Um, but the two, the two key things that happen in this book, like real quick, right? Spoiling too much anything. things, we get the first part where um, Callisto, uh, who honestly I did not know lost her powers, and I was never really sure about what her powers were, um, right? Uh, even, you know, during Mutant Massacre and all that other stuff where she was like a factor. Um, uh, but, you know, she, she, apparently she must have lost her powers on M-Day and she's not had them all this time. So she wants to get them back. And the way you have to do it, you have to go through, you know, there's a certain thing you have to go through. Uh, it's the crucible. Exactly. Yeah. Um, to get them back. And she wants the Storm involved, which is who's up until, you know, part of this book wasn't down with doing for whatever reason. And we also find out that storm apparently is trying to leave Cricor for some reason that we don't know about at this point. Uh, and the other part of that is the part where, uh, agent 70 was talking about where, um, uh, Hellfire trading company gets involved in real estate in magic partially because, well, not even partially, but directly because, um, and I thought this was a good way to tie this back in too. So, because, because of what happened to Kate, and Lockheed getting thrown overboard and getting saved um, um, near Madripoor, they went back to go help out the family. Right. We find out Lockheed, how
0: Lockheed, Lockheed uh, survives that attack by Sebastian Shaw. Right.
1: Which we and, found that out like and-
0: earlier. I mean, we found out a while ago, but... Oh, but we find out that he survives, but not exactly how, and now we find out how.
1: No, we did, because uh, they, they did tell him, they showed him. Oh, they showed did they them, show that? Yeah, they showed him fish, fishing him out back then and, and oh, taking care I of Oh, I totally them. forgot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Totally so, forgot, but Cape yeah. uh, Pride ret- repays the
0: favor. Mm-hmm. Um, it's funny that you mentioned um, uh, Storm doing Callisto a solid in the Crucible. Mm-hmm. and teasing what i what i what i felt was a move off the marauders roster like she's leaving the book right and, and possibly uh callisto maybe taking her spot uh mm-hmm. on this on this roster of uh, marauders that's how i read that or at least maybe that's what i thought was happening you know like kind of one taking the other's place mm-hmm. because of the way this particular exchange went but obviously callisto and storm have their own Um, history going back to um, uh, the Morlocks you know, uh, pre-Mutant Massacre Um, I also thought it was cool that uh, the Silver Samurai uh, uh, gave us uh, a shout out and a reference to classic um, uh, samurai stuff that's reminiscent of Lone Wolf and Cub Yeah, you know, with the the reference to the Kaisha Kunin I'm like, oh snap! That's from Lone Wolf and Cub.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, if if anyone would know, it'd be he. So exactly, I was like, yo, that's cool. <laughs> yeah, but it's going back to the Callisto thing, I'm not. I I didn't pick up on that if that was the case. If if that was the thought, uh, but also it's not like Callisto hadn't been in the fold already because she's already been working with uh, she's kind of basically like um emma frost like hit person or something like that assassin person because even you see in the front of the you know in in the the the, the flashback in the front of this uh, issue you know right that she's you know and it had already been established she was already working with emma hmm. um so if that is the case that that is something that i'm like i'm not, you know it's kind of a sad thing because it looks like it, it, and it, was, it wasn't like storm is it was in the fold that much with emma the Emma part for you know, like she's kind of coming go one way to other, so we don't necessarily know you know the the full story on that part, but you know it could very well be as you said, so don't know, but otherwise that I, I enjoyed this book for for a couple of different reasons um, oh, definitely fun, yeah, definitely
0: fun, and as I mentioned earlier, this book is all about the intrigue because what's being set up is a meeting. Uh, between the Hellfire Club and members, the former members of the Hellfire Club who make up Hominus
1: Verendi, mm-hmm. and the few of the humans, be... what's that? All and right, a few exactly. Yeah, because it sounds like they're pretty much gathering everybody who might have a beef with them. Well, because I know they said, because I know Emma said something about it. It was like, yeah, this this party is pretty much for, well, at least what we get from the data pages, it sounds like. Um, they might be introducing the new X-Men, which we still haven't seen the, the votes for that yet, but also this is a meeting from with, like you said, uh, Hominus Ferendi and sounds like other states uh, that um, are with and potentially f- for, you know, um, any dealings with uh, Krakoa.
0: Right. So we will see how that plays out, but yeah, it's... You know, if there's one great thing about this is that, um, and and I heard, I I don't want to say I heard this on um, one of the Marvel podcasts where, you know, I understand that some people have gotten a little frustrated with uh, the Dawn of X expansion of the X books. And, you know, I mean, we knew that was inevitable, one, that they would expand the X books into, you know, the, the various... Um, uh, splinter books that they would you know that they've almost always done with the x corner of the of the uh, marvel universe and i forget what the new the new age is quote unquote do you remember uh the reign of i believe oh reign of x okay Mm -hmm. thank you so the reign of x is now uh is now um you know post ten of swords and it's interesting that the x books you know, being their own corner of the Marvel Universe, really do have very distinct purposes. And that's really, you know, you don't necessarily need to read all of them to get the story, but if you really want to focus on certain aspects of uh, the Krakoan life, you know, the the Krakoan, um, uh, uh, uh government, the Krakoan, um, uh wet uh, wetworks team the krakow superhero team if that's you know if, if you have very specific uh uh, f- uh if you have a very uh specific focus or foci um that are uh served by these various books there's other books you don't necessarily have to read right you know what we find interesting about marauders is that it really does deal with the business side, some of the government side and some of the entry, the, the let's not say palace intrigue, but the governmental or the inner circle intrigue
1: that is uh, that is running rampant um, in Krakoa. Right. And classically, like the X-Men proper book would be the one would, would be the one main storyline and even coming in on out of and, and um and Dawn of X it didn't seem like it until recently that was the case uh, that it was the mainline book and I can't necessarily point to one book that would have been the case
2: mm-hmm. uh,
1: up until now but it, so- it sounds like they're starting to get back to where the, the, the X-Men proper book is going to be the mainline book and then they kind of like you said everything is uh kind of compartmentalized into into its uh into uh parts of the krakoran life
0: sure you know we have x-factor being the uh the the death investigators (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know as i said earlier x-force is the wet work team so there's uh you know there there are different books for you know different uh different books for different uh uh folks who are looking for different things uh mutant-related. You don't necessarily have to read them all.
1: Right, yeah. New Mutants still deals with the young, the, the younger generation. Hellions, I'm still not entirely sure. Not, like, that's pretty much another misfit team. Uh, no, that's the Suicide Squad team. Well, yeah, but I mean, again, that's kind of also, you know, X-Force's purview in a, in a sense. Mm, I was about to say, X-Force is, like I
0: said, like, X-Force is like the Black Ops team. Sure. So, but But because it's not made up of the former villains, that's the kicker. Right, yeah. That's the kicker. So that's what differentiates um, Hellions from X Wars. Yeah, that, gives, that That's what makes them more of the Suicide Squad style team.
1: Right. All right, moving right along. Um, we got one more book before we get hit the rapid, or are we going to go straight to rapid.
0: We can go straight to rapid because mm-hmm. we've covered like a, a big chunk of the Marvel. Uh, corner of the books and we've got some believe it or not folks we've got some DC future state stuff this week <laughs> Indeed, so I, will spin it, I will spin it up and we will see what we have in common
1: rapid fire cool
0: ejecto cedo let's see here so we both I believe read the Chris Claremont anniversary special correct I'll run through very quickly. The creative team was, it's all written by Chris Claremont uh, with pencils by Bill Sienkiewicz, Sean, Sean Chen, Diego Olortegi, and Brett Booth. Shout out to at TimDog98. And inks by Mark Deering, Roberto Poggi, and uh, Adelso Corona. And colors by Chris Sotomayor, Rochelle Rosenberg, and Eric Arseniega, and Guru EFX. Uh, the death goddess Hela, Sends Valkyrie Danny Moonstar on a quest through time, facing off against those affected by the Shadow King, starting with the New Mutants. Uh, starting when the New Mutants were still at the Xavier, Xavier School in Westchester, uh, and then moving on to an FF story that was set before Franklin was born, to aboard the Starjammer while Binary is there, to soon after the introduction of Gambit. It remains to be seen how this plays into the ongoing story of Danny Moonstar.
1: Yeah, it'd probably be unfair to say that this was a Claremont greatest hits because you know there's been a, there's a few different things that wasn't touched up on. But as I said in my notes, it's it's a pretty much a bizarre ride through some of Claremont history with Danny Moonstar up against the Shadow Kings spoiler on that one, but still. Uh, and of course, like uh, Agent Seventy said, it's uh, you know all being uh, uh, brought forth by Hela and yeah, um, it doesn't seem I'm not, like, that last page well, one, as we talked about before um, before, before uh, the show, it was like, yeah, it was kind of a weird read going into it, because it was like what is going on here, type of situation but then, Absolutely. But then it's like, okay, I, I'm getting what's going on here just like Agent 7, it was like, yeah, yeah, we get okay, I get it now, but, you know and whether, like you said, it's going to come up on anything outside of the revelation at the end you know, to, uh, I guess, the new status... or Danny's current new status... or going forward status, I guess. Right, if it impacts anything... that comes up in the new... in the new stories. Exactly.
0: You know, but uh, but yeah, it was interesting. I, 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 I relayed to Roddy Cat earlier... that I may have to go back and read some of those... Uh, new mutant stories in Asgard... to pick up on where this might be coming from... where this might actually emanate
1: from. Right, and I want to say it doesn't... well. Well, I guess some of that gets picked back up in Fear Itself, doesn't it? Possibly. I'd have to look.
0: Yeah. But yeah, I'd have to rely on good old Marvel Unlimited for that. So. Mm-hmm. so All now, righty. I'll do the same thing. <laughs> exactly. Next up, believe it or not, is Gwenum versus Carnage number one. It's <laughs> written by Sean and art with art by Flaviano and colors by Rico Renzi. Unfortunately this series seems to follow up on parts of the story left off by Sean and McGuire in the Spider-Gwen book, which means I may actually have to pick this series up. Gwen is caught on Earth-616 when Null invades, and Gwen's alternate symbiote is detected by Null, while the Earth-65 Jackal hatches a plan to connect uh, the MJ of that universe to Gwen using some captured spiders from Gwen's costume. So, I hate to say this, this actually does... Feel like an actual issue of Spider-Gwen uh, that is crossed over with King and Black. You know, it kind of sucks that um, this is how we have to get our uh, Spider-Gwen. But what are you going to do?
1: Yeah, I I like Seanan McGuire's um, Spider-Gwen, but and I did not know she was actually writing this, but I'm still probably not going to read this. <laughs>
0: right. Right. And that's, like you said, that's, uh, you know, like you said, that would be my initial reaction to, but I saw that she was writing it, knowing that she writes the regular book. Mm. And there's actually a note, if you just flip to the back of the book, there's actually a note from the editor um, talking about how this is, quote unquote, serendipitous, that some of the things that uh, Shauna McGuire left off as dangling plot threads, they could kind of touch upon in this King and Black crossover. So. You know, they pick right up on the story, and that's kind of annoying to me. Um, next up, I believe you... No, I don't think you read this. Future State Dark Detective Number 1. Nope, not yet. This is, believe it or not, uh, I guess I'm going to spoil part of it. It's written by Mariko Tamaki and Matthew Rosenberg, with art by Dan Mora and Carmine D. Giando Menico. Um, the story essentially takes... Uh, takes up where Tiny in the fourth left off and takes it in one possible direction, leaving. Uh, and, and wait, did you read the uh, future Batman last week? Yes. Right. But it's not a spoiler uh, for you to know that Bruce Wayne's
1: still alive. No, not in of fact. I've seen that elsewhere also, but okay.
0: So that's essentially the big spoiler here. Spoiler alert. Um, it takes, it takes Bruce's story in one possible direction. That's kind of the, the whole gist of this future state stuff. And, um, it leaves Bruce broke and broken, which is just another, you know, uh, possible direction that the current storyline could go in. And Grifter continues to play a role with the Fox family. This kind of reminded me of John Wick three following up on the end of John Wick two. Did you see John Wick three yet? I've not seen Parabola yet, or oh, yet. Parabellum. Yeah. Ah, oh, you should watch it. Yeah, I plan is to. That's a list.
1: It's it's I actually have... on the short list. It's like one of one two, but there's been a, some other stuff that we've been kind of digging into lately that kind of put that off. But I definitely plan to. Like Clone Wars. So <laughs> there's that. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Next up, I think
0: you read this. This is. Future State Teen Titans number one.
1: Yes, in fact, uh, these next two you're doing... Yeah, these two you're doing, I've definitely read these next two.
0: All right. Uh, This was written by Tim Sheridan with art by Rafa Sandoval and inks by Jordi Tarragona and colors by Alejandro Sanchez. I'm like, wow, we have really exported uh, comics uh, around the world because of the names of some of these uh, creative teams are definitely... um, uh, well, at least this particular book caught me by surprise. I'm like, wow, there's a lot of, and 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 the next book too. There's a lot of, and and I'd have to do um, uh, a Google search to see if these uh, creators are in fact based in Spain, the way a lot of the the, the more recent um, uh, creators uh, are have been kind of been um, uh, uh, incubating, you know, in the you know in 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 the the art. Um, you know, in the in the artistic uh, corner in Spain. I wonder if, you know, I wonder if they're from there also, you know?
1: I'd have yeah. to look them
0: up. Yeah, that's a good question. So, uh, you know, there's lots of new Titans in this possible future as Nightwing and Starfire try to lead the Titans in the wake of Titan's Tower, yet again, being destroyed. Uh, Nightwing seems to be going down a dark path with Red X in tow. This is the first appearance in comics... Of Red X, that's not a robot apparently. So Correct. if you remember Red X from uh, the Teen Titans cartoon,
1: he's in the regular
0: DC universe now.
1: Yep. Um, and I guess the only thing I have to add to that is like, um, yeah, like they basically uh, so Nightwing and Red Arrow pretty much searched to demolished the uh, Teen Titans as um, Agent Seven said, which I I noted that also. But um, like yeah, this place is always getting getting wrecked. <laughs> Like this is one thing you can count on. Like Teen Titan, well, the Hall of Justice is now getting getting messed up, as right. we will see. in another, uh, uh, another thing, and Titan Tower, but also like they went in there looking for a weird construct of um, that I last saw in its own book. Right um and they still don't think about future state is uh before before we move on is like uh they don't really necessarily explain some things like how they got to this point like i don't know uh, like i asked you last week whether um uh derek you know death metal kind of explained coming into the situation that better and you was like yeah not, not so much
0: only that, you know, and if you read the, the opening pages of these books, right. they all say essentially the same thing, which is this could be just one possible future based right. on the events, based on how um, Dark Knight's Death Metal...
2: Excellent!
0: ...ended and created the Omniverse, so there's more than 52 worlds, there's an infinite number of possibilities, so... Um, until the yeah. next crisis where they shuffle that up again. Lord. But uh, but yeah, that's essentially what's happening. Um, speaking of... Uh, 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 do you have anything else to mention on uh, no? okay. Two Titans? Mm-hmm. So Future State Justice League number one written by Joshua Williamson with pencils by Robson Roca, inks by Daniel Enriquez, and colors by Romulo Fajardo Jr. Uh, the Future State League is made up of the Future State characters, and they are immediately confronted by the villains from the beginning of the Morrison JLA run. Gotta love it.
1: Oh, was it the, the LOD then, too?
0: Uh, yeah, the, uh, call it? the, you know, without getting into all of the stuff, because they do reveal a lot about what happened to some of the heroes right. in Justice League, in this Future State Justice League number one, right. and what happened to the former Justice League. Uh, you know, without going into all of the the the, the spoilery details, um, they actually do relay some of the things um, that that happened that 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 made them decide on new rules uh, governing membership of the Justice League. But um, but yeah, if you go back to Morrison and Howard Porter's JLA run, the first villains in that run are these villains.
1: Oh the the actual actual villains. I got you. Right, okay. actual I, actual villains. Right, right. Film. I got you. Okay. Yeah, so that I wasn't too familiar with who these folks were, but when they even touched on, you know, the the I was like, okay, I see. Which right. actually kind of makes me... you that? mention
0: their first the first time they were foiled? Right. At the, the book at the end of the, not at the end of the book, end of the story.
1: Right. But um yeah, and you kind of mentioned right, they mentioned that, which is like, well, why is this other character not involved in If that's been because, but maybe that character will come along or maybe they never, never going to mess with that. I don't know. But, uh, the only other thing else I was, I not really have to say about this is I noticed a through line in some of these future state books, especially reading this book and reading that Batman book from last week. And they say pretty much the same thing. And, uh, and I'm guessing this is the mantra of it. The more things change, the more they say the same.
0: Absolutely. Like, plus like a shows, said. plus a shows. They're literally quoting Claremont in
1: X-Men number one. Right. So, that's
2: like,
1: so, so yeah, right. So I'm guessing I like, okay, that's clearly going to be a thing. And it kind of already shown itself in Future State already that it's like, yeah, that is kind of a thing, but even with this all new, somewhat different... Um, well, it's not even all new, technically, but somewhat new, somewhat different uh, Je- uh, Justice League that's mm-hmm. still, that mantra still kind of holds together. You know, and actually make me want to go read because I don't think I had, had planned on it. That Superman Wonder Woman book uh, that that came out last week, right? I only I only had a chance
0: to to, to read these three, and I read uh, Future State uh, Future Batman right last week. Um, I didn't have a, 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 a big chance to read it over the weekend, but I did have a chance to uh, kind of uh, to, to read the, uh, last week's Batman just to see how um, they're developing um, uh, Tim Fox and where that's going. Right. But, uh, uh, I, you know, I'm, I'm going to try to skim the rest of these and see what's going on and see – I'm really curious to see how they – Um, You know what direction
1: they're going to go in when this future state uh, period is over. Right, and we do know. I know there's some news about it um, uh, in the news section. I think we may have already already had some in the past, but there's a couple of folks who's going to have something after the fact. But uh, I guess we'll get there when we get there. Uh, I guess the last thing to say about that was um, um, about Justice League. It was like. Well, one also probably wanted to read that flash, one also that I'm thinking about it. But there's also a couple of backup stories, or oh, there was a backup story uh, involving Justice League Dark, um, specifically Zatanna and I guess that's Detective Chimp, who, hmm. um, you know, and they're kind of on a thing. We don't know. Well, we know they're on Earth, but we don't. It's magic base, and there's apparently some magic magic shenanigans going on. And uh, I guess in this uh, spoiler alert for anybody who actually cares, and I don't know if this was a thing in just the League Dark already, but um, Etrigan, the demon, is inhabiting Detective Chimp. Or this version of Detective Chimp. Yeah. And that comes into a play a couple of other times, and they're on the hunt for, they're trying to figure out some stuff, because some stuff happens, and that has something to do with Etrigan, uh, and Etrican's like uh, I'm don't, not trying to be a part of any of this anymore for whatever our reasons. They kind of, got a glance over the, what happened, but they ended up uh, essentially pretty much getting band back together. Let's just say uh, within within reason. And they ended up finding someone else who would normally naturally be involved with magic stuff uh, at the end of this. For what reason we don't know, but you know, I, I assume we're going to get there uh, whenever this pops back up. Anyway, all right, and that's it for me. Okay, so for me, well, I guess I was gonna, yeah, I'll go ahead and um, continue the future state uh, dealing with uh, Green Lantern number one, uh, Future State Green Lantern number one. And I'm sorry, I forgot to get the uh, the the uh, creative team on this, but um, uh, Lanternless John Stewart and other ringless lanterns are getting their John Carter of Mars or Freedom Fighters. On, on some planet, um, against the God in Red and their army. So in in this world, apparently all of the Green Lanterns lost their rings some kind of way. We don't necessarily get how, but we know it was not necessarily in an M Day like fashion. But you know they basically just lost power and something happened that you know they mentioned but they don't mention what happened or where it happened. And John and John Stewart's kind of leading this ragtag team. Uh, on this planet to try to help these people out, but you know, they pretty much get overrun. It's weirdly enough, almost actually, if you go back to Marvel's Annihilation, uh, Agent 70, where mm-hmm. with Nova and well, to a point anyway, with Nova and um, and um, John with Quill, not yeah. necessarily the same deal, but the the, the the overwhelming odds that they have to deal with and they have to end up falling back and out, that kind of good mess, it's kind of akin to that. Gotcha. Um, I'm flipping through it now, so
0: yeah, because uh, I'm curious. I'm like, oh, uh, whatchamacallit, gonna uh, call um, it, it? I've never heard of this writer Jeffrey Thorne, but I have heard of the artist Tom Rainey. Yes, he's been around for a long time, so and he's got some solid work in here. Uh, and I'm flipping through this book now, so maybe I'll, I'll take a look at this. I just wanted to mention that it's curious that we know that there's at least one actual Green Lantern because of what's in Justice League this week. That is correct. Yeah. So, so and
1: that—that's the other thing that—that that makes this weird because, right? Because all of the lanterns that show up in this issue, like John, John Stewart's got the main part. Uh, Jessica Cruz shows up in a backup, and so does Guy Gardner. And in each case, well, with the exception of the Guy Gardner's spoilers, he—he he does have his powers at the beginning, but they pretty much cut through. He loses it uh, like pretty quickly after that, and he has to deal with the situation he's in. Um. And to just to cruise back up, she's uh, had already lost the power in her ring, but she's in a place to where you know she's, pretty, she's as I say in my notes, she's pretty much getting her die hard on, right? Um, right. And and it and it looks like she's getting some different powers. Yes, at the end of it, she it looks like that. Which I don't know how to feel about that, but you know, it's, it is what it is. Um, and whether it's going to be perfect, permanent or not, who's to say? Because you know, with certain lanterns, you know that thing that tends to change one way right. or the other. And I would imagine this situation, whatever, I would, I would hope they're going to get into a little bit more about what's going on on that, because I'm actually kind of curious from reading this. Um, and yeah, like, the, going, like you said, going back to the Justice League, was like, yeah, why is this one lantern still has her powers? Now, to right. be fair, what I know about this one lantern, uh, which is the, newer, the, newest, uh, the newest, newest lantern, Joe uh, Moline, her ring is a little bit different from everybody else's because i've been reading uh far sector right um it's not powered by a battery like well it's not powered in the same way as everybody else's was powered now also and i believe hers had a limit to it like hers was not as powerful as the others but it's or it might be reverse it might be as powerful as others or more but it's not necessarily powered the same way and it also had a time limit to it now gotcha. again fire sector is still going on, and we don't know you know again what's going on in this um uh, at this point with you know the state of the green lanterns uh, but I would imagine that's probably why her ring might not be affected because of the the, the uh, stiplations on her ring and the power right. they're in: We'll see because because I know she uses her if she when she uses her ring and she uses it for a good length of time, she has to rest for as much of a length of time. As opposed to, you know, recharging exactly. As so, opposed to recharging it with a battery. With a battery, exactly. So that's probably the key difference here. That that's that's why she's still powered. Possibly.
0: I mean, you know, it's it's you know we've yet to see um, how that plays out because if I recall correctly, the the subtitling or the the text that's in the book mentions that she restored all their power. So it's weird. Oh, that she did. Yeah. Hmm. So it's weird yeah okay, yeah that that is weird, it's, so it's future state so
1: right exactly and and I suppose I'm wondering if they're gonna end up doing the same thing they did to her. she's gonna end up doing the same thing that they did with her ring to everybody else, maybe we don't know we'll we'll forget we'll find out i guess at some point when when and or if that shows itself right uh, but uh the let's see the other just league like, well no actually that is it for the future state stuff. And the one other book that I have is Darth Vader number nine. Uh, So it's Vader versus Ochi and the Droid Crush Pirates of Bastoon, which sounds like a movie title. (laughs) Mm. Um, apparently Ochi and Ochi is the the assassin that uh, apparently we find out later on in Star Wars history is the one that may or may not have killed Ray's parents. Uh, So that's why I guess that is a, a. figure of some sort of note but in this case he's going up against uh, he was hired by the Emperor Palpatine to either humble or kill Vader on uh, Mustafar um, after some other dealings uh, last uh, last episode, last uh, issue uh, so they're going at it but apparently Ochi and these pirates that they were working with had some kind of deal in place that, um, that Ochi may not have told them about and they kind of Run around of of he kind of runs around of that, but he gets saved by Vader, and gets used by Vader to um to to uh, get some hand with that wayfinder that he found. Out. Now wait, did you read this? Or oh, were you planning on reading this? I'm sorry because I might be giving away too much. No,
0: money. no, it's okay because I'm so far behind that I'll you know I I'll probably have filed this away in my brain. It'll probably come back as a as a latent memory as I'm reading it. Right. It's cool.
1: But but basically, OG o- 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 ends up um, helping Vader with uh, with some things, and they both end up going off to a planet that we last saw in la- the Rise of Skywalker. Oh no! Yes, uh, for wh- or at least on their way to said planet, um, for what reason we don't know, because they they were on the way there and got stopped by something else that happens. As ten things didn't happen in the Star Wars book. Gotcha, and that, uh, folks. Is it for me? I was about to say before we move
0: on to Clicks of the Week, I'll mention that the reference I was coming up with is, you know, as um as whatchamacallit? Uh as the Legion of Doom. Um and uh which character is this? Uh, is it Tio Morrow? Oh
1: yeah, yes, that's the one it's the that O-Morrow. was leading them. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Um, he's talking about the Green Lantern. Uh, he mentioned, he, he says that she united all the core just in time to solve Oa's greatest mystery. So I suspect that, oh, you know. Yeah. Right. She doesn't, it doesn't come outright. It doesn't uh, outright say that she helped solve the, the, the mystery behind the missing power. Yeah, I think that might be something uh, different. That's what's implied. Right. Because what else would be Oa's greatest mystery?
1: Well, no, well, uh, it could be actually something else. Cause, the, like I said, that's the story I kind of actually want to see. And I don't know if that's going to come up because it could very well, because she was pretty much on the outs of every you know, with everybody. And I don't She's even on. think the other Lancers really know. Yeah. Right. I don't even think, think that the other Lancers even know of her or even knew of her before, you know, whatever happens. Um, but yeah, I, I'm, Halfway suspecting that that greatest the always thing is not related to this, but I have no kind of context one way or the other. So we we'll, we definitely will see, um, because even when I think somebody else was talking about her in this book, they were they were making it like was like yeah she's like the, you know the, the greatest investigator whatever whatever whatever. So kind of kind of to what you're saying, but I feel like that may or may not be something different, right? But we don't know. That being the case, uh, we can push on to. Clicks of the week. Clicks of the week. And we got two uh, clicks of the week, or at least one potential click of the week and one definite from our other uh, uh, co-hosts. So from Dirt, he says, Sweet sweet Tooth, the return number three for his click. That's cool. And for Tim... He's got a potential of uh, Seven Secrets, number six, which, as we were discussing discuss, discussed uh, before the show, was a book I know we brought up before, but I don't think any of us said actually ever read it, and I didn't know over- Tim was reading it until until Tim mentioned this. Right. So there you go for those. You got yours.
0: I think so. I think so. I think I'm going to go with an old reliable, uh, Immortal Hulk, number
1: forty two. Fair. That's absolutely fair. Um,
0: because you know, like I said, it
1: uh, it sounds
0: very cliche when you're looking for something after all these comics we've read over all these years. When you're looking for something to make you feel something, <laughs> now Al Ewing got me with that one particular panel sequence. So, Immortal Hulk number forty-two. It is. Hmm.
1: And on that note, I'm actually I'm I'm slightly torn between like Marauder Seventeen and weirdly enough Green Lantern Number One and Justice League for Future State. Okay, there was something weirdly really interesting and compelling about both of those books, and um, and you know, like I said, we've I've said it earlier and I've said it previously. It's like yeah, I'm not sure. Like if you're just coming into the Future State. You know, and granted, they've not really given you much by way of like, "Hey, here's how we got to this point." Outside of the fact of the blurb that you mentioned earlier about, "Hey, like this is a possible future situation," but I would have still liked to have seen a little bit, of like, what event, if anything, kind of led to this. Because even in the Justice League book, they were like, "Yeah, it's like, yeah, this is, you know, it got this way for a reason, you know, for you know, because of something or some things." Right. And I think you know.
0: Obviously, we know they're doing that on purpose to right. kind of tease everybody and and, and, and and show everyone a possible future. And uh, you know, we all know their belated attempt or their their uh, uh, their aborted attempt to uh, try to launch um, the the five G um, uh, line, which we all suspect is is where Future State kind of comes from. Mm-hmm. And, Um, you know, it's just them trying to. Um, it's funny how uh, how how Roddy Cat mentioned this, and I I laughed and filed it away. It's them just creating more timelines to uh, later retcon, yeah, yeah,
1: because also, Also yeah, that don't,
0: yeah, it's the ones that don't stick to the wall after having you know been thrown against the wall.
1: Right. Like, there's a weird Secret Wars quality to this, to this whole thing, but not in a direct sense. Right. Like, like all the spin-off stuff, all the tie-in stuff that kind of happened during that uh, Hitman Secret Wars, like, yeah, this kind of feels reminiscent of that, but not, like, directly, because obviously these are a lot of this is not coming from... Well, it's between this and all new, all different uh, Avengers type of situation. Like, it feels like it's just a mix of that. And yeah, I'm thinking
0: back on I'm thinking back on Secret Wars, like, oh yeah, you know, we had so much fun with like Thor's. Mm hmm. You know? And, and and some of the other books. I mean, yeah, some of them were hit and miss. Yeah. But, uh, you know, that's a that's not a bad comparison. I, I like that comparison.
1: Yeah, and yeah, like the there was stuff was out, there was some stuff I was in, yeah, but there was also stuff that was like, Hey, there's some possible, you know, some, some some other timeline stuff that was like, Hey, this is some stuff that could probably potentially come back to if they really really wanted to but they never have like Thor's <laughs> I mean they
0: tried with A-Force and it didn't really fly for too long but they tried
1: yeah and I loved, and I really liked A-Force so um, yeah but that didn't happen uh, but anyway not to belabor this too much longer uh, I'm thinking for my pick I think I'm actually going to go with Marauders number 17
0: sounds good that was a great issue right
1: Um, so there we go. Um, and on that note, we are going to push over into the news section, but first, an ad read. Our first ad read of the night is for Funko, Funded at first sight. It's your home for
0: exclusive collectibles, such as their world famous pop vinyl bobbleheads, apparel, including t-shirts, hats, and socks, and brand merchandise, including custom DIY pop figures, art books, and skateboards. And now, the listeners of the Comic Book Chronicles can enjoy 10% off your entire purchase when shopping at Funko. To place your first order with 10% off and to help keep our show free for you, go to our network website at cspn.us. That's cspn.us. Then click on the Keep Our Podcast Free link at the top of the page. From there, scroll down to the Funko link and place your order. When you get to the checkout, Put in the offer code SHOP10 for your 10% off discount. Fun code through CSPN.US. Do it today. And now we get into the news.
1: I got to do better about, um. (laughs) What's that? Uh, no, I just, I got to do better about checking the, the, uh, Twitch comments and stuff, because I see something, Nightbot must have caught something. (laughs) But anyway, um, uh, I was just going to say that, you know what, I have not been much of a skater, but I kind of actually, you mentioned skateboard decks, and I was like, I kind of want to actually check out, there's a couple of skateboard decks that I kind of want, I wouldn't mind having, but it'd be useful. I'm not, not useful, but, uh, put them on the wall or something, like, something stupid. Anyway, um, folks, we are now at the news section of the night, and we start off like we do every week with the cinematic news. Uh, Starting off with Star Wars has given official names to the eras of the prequels, quick sequels, and more. As Agent Seventy, hold on. Let me let me give you the. There we go. Put the close up on Agent Seventy. There we go. So now, folks, can see what what you're holding up.
0: Right. This is the graphic that this story refers to. You can find it in um, the solicits for January 2021. Um, so this has been, you know, this has been out for a little while. But uh, Cat is going to go further into the story.
1: Yep. 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 Um, yeah. I'm glad you. I'm glad you put that up because that was actually, uh, yeah, good looking out on that. Um, let me get back to the news here. And uh, so yeah. Um, Star Wars history it says has changed. So basically, this, this goes back to the timeline in question, and that um, and this came out during the High Republic um, um, uh, interview or, or, or video that was out last week, before the day before um, the High Republic stuff came out, like Light of the Jedi and the comic book therein that we talked about last week. Exactly. This is what people who
0: read solicitations actually get a little bit of news or information ahead of time because exactly. this is published in the solicitations for the for the High Republic, uh, the, the first issue
1: of the High Republic Star Wars book. Exactly. And I feel like we may or may not have talk, t- talked about a little bit of this in passing at one point in, in time in the past, but we didn't have it officially, you know, uh, right. an official timeline as we do here. Um, which I don't know why I clicked that because we've already seen that. So yes, so as you can see, as if you're watching the video, you can also see the timeline in the article uh here uh the High Republic as we said last week, set two hundred years before Phantom Menace, and we see uh that started from High Republic Point and going up into the rise of the force order, which would be The Last Jedi, the last movie. Uh, and, and I remember when I first saw this, I was like, "Well, why are they not showing the whole timeline?" Which I get it; they don't necessarily have to because they're trying to focus on High Republic and not necessarily go back to the old Republic and that stuff, you know, prior to that. Which, as far as I know, is still canon. Um, or at least some of it. I don't, I don't know about the the MMO because I know they there's some licensing thing. That I remember them going through well before now with that, so I'm not entirely sure if that stuff is still canon. Right. But, or even the original uh, Bioware, Old Republic, uh, nice to the Old Republic uh, um, uh, video game. But I guess we'll, that'll all come out in the watch. But right now we're on the High Republic, which I think has a, has started off pretty well. And we got an official timeline. And as you can see from the timeline, where everything falls into place and the movies and the TV shows they're in that fall into place with each section of the timeline. Uh, we don't have the High Republic stuff there because obviously that stuff's coming out. But we do know Light of the Republic and the the comic book from last week is in there. It's just that this is the the graphic that we got, you know, prior to uh, the launch. The, right. You know, so Star Wars has more than likely have already seen this, and you know, because you know, probably have a, a poster of it on your on their wall like you do. <laughs> it's just, it's their
0: desktop wallpaper,
1: basically. You know, like we joke that I'm pretty sure I know a couple of people that has probably done that. <laughs> 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 yeah, I'd I'd do it myself, but you know. Exactly, exactly. All right. Uh next if we're up. done with that story. We
0: are. All right, next up, um uh spoiler alert for anyone who has not yet watched the end of season two of The Mandalorian. Um The big spoiler uh, um, appearance was such a big secret, it wasn't even in the script. That's how they kept it so secret.
1: And that's the bottom line. Pretty much. And, yeah, even if you were, like, I was um, partially spoiled on it, it was still good to watch. So if you haven't watched it and you are inclined to, you should definitely check it out. And I don't know what's taking you so long at this point. I shouldn't say that Well. Yeah, I can still say that's hard. But um <laughs> But yeah, you definitely check that out. It's 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 quite cool. Uh next up, Marvel's Moon Knight Necklace is a sequence of uh Moon Knight news we got coming up in this block. But um Marvel's Moonlight Cinematography seemingly confirms Oscar Isaac casting. Um so Moon Knight Cinematographer Gregory Middleton has seemingly confirmed that Oscar will be portraying the sort similar- of titular hero in Marvel's upcoming uh, Disney Plus series and I think there's been other like people have pretty much been running with that and uh, we have not seen anything from like you know Mar- uh, Marvel Studios or Disney or Oscar himself on this stuff it's that I remember anyway but regardless in a in- uh, recent Instagram post Middleton announced that he would be presiding over the camera and light crews on Marvel's Moon and he also says in this same uh, Instagram post which you can see part of uh, in the article that um yeah he basically says like you know, um which is well the sequel does out uh it's an honor to be a part of uh introducing a new character to the mcu moonlight hashtag moonlight uh who says cinematographer worry about white costumes um not if there are complex characters played by an amazing performer like Official Oz- um, Oscar Isaac. Thank you, Director Mo- um, Mohammed Diab, and the MCU for inviting me aboard. So, you know, that's kind of pretty much folks taking it, um You know, that that yeah. is indeed the confirmation. But as we will see in another story, that's not necessarily always the case. But probably still is. Mm. Next up.
0: All right. Next up. Uh... Marvel Studios' uh, Disney Plus Moon Knight series has added an acclaimed duo to its roster of directors. According to The Hollywood Reporter, Justin Benson and Aaron Moorhead will be directing episodes of Moon Knight, which will begin filming in Budapest in March, where uh, Hawkeye and uh, Black Widow have some memories. Uh, Previously, the only confirmed director for the program was Mohamed Diab, while Jeremy Slater is serving as the leader of Moon Knight's writer's room. Okay.
1: Yep. Um, One other bit of Moon Knight news ills. Disney Plus um, Moon Knight show with Oscar, and see, again, this is why people are going with it, uh, uh, casts another key role, quote-unquote. So it appears that that Moon Knight has cast another actor, uh, according to The Hollywood Reporter, May Callumway Callumway my apologies for for screwing that up um I can sound things out folks I promise um has joined the cast as a yet unknown character so the publication calls it a key role so I'm going to guess that um it's probably um what's uh, I can't remember the the, the um, there is a lady in Moonlight's life, in Mark Spector's life, uh, and I'm assuming that's her. Like, And I can't remember her name right at this moment. But if it is a key role we, we can relatively assume that that's, it's that. So, that being the case hey, um Callum Owee is probably best known as her role as Dina in the comedy drama series Ramy or Rami. Also featured in the war film The Long Road Home and action thriller The Brave. I still don't know who that is, but hey, there you go. Next up.
0: All right. Uh, Kevin Feige. I don't even have to say Marvel's Kevin Feige. All I have to say is (laughs) Kevin Feige, people. Kevin Feige confirms how long the Disney Plus She-Hulk series actually is. I guess we missed this during the, uh, the Disney Investors Day call. Because uh, he basically says that there is um, roughly six plus hours of content, which in in uh, She-Alk's case equals about 10 episodes
1: of television. So that's pretty cool. Okay, so... 10 no one, half hour episodes. That right. We didn't necessarily miss it. It's just that the, all that other news came out of it that <laughs> this kind of got glanced glanced, uh, glanced over. Gotcha. Yeah, because this is yeah. when all that other well, Star Wars and other stuff kind of came out. Mm hmm. So. All right. Um, but I guess that's the good to know. I, Which is kind of you know funny that there's still news coming out of that. <laughs> no, no, I was about to say the article actually
0: says Feige spoke to IGN. That's where it comes out. Because right. while it was announced during the investor's day that it would be, that She Hulk would be a half hour comedy, he actually says in this IGN interview that it's about. Uh,
1: 10 half-hour episodes. Right. Okay, cool. Right. right. So good to know. Um, And I think there was also some mention, he said something about the... um, How... And we may have already talked about this, about how WandaVision, which is coming out tomorrow, uh, the length of that is in relation to She-Hulk's. Right. So... um, Anyway. Why Secret Invasion is a Disney Plus series instead of uh, MCU? (laughs) Well... You know, again, Feige's kind of talking about it. Um, he says, we're interested in the political paranoia aspect of the secret invasion and really showcasing the stars with uh, Samuel Jackson and Ben Middleton, two amazing actors that you want to have in any series, and we're lucky to have them, uh, Feige told Collider. Uh, that's the sort of primary focus of that, and of course it will tie into other things on the scrolls in the ways that you've not seen before. Uh, but yes, anything can happen. Uh, that's still not necessarily explaining why it's a, it's a show instead of a movie though. Mm. Mm-hmm. So. Okay. There you go. Next up. I, so, um, in recent, uh,
0: in, in a recent, uh, appearance on the Jess Cagle show, um, yeah, I don't know. Anthony Mackie uh, revealed, you know, touched on uh, some of the you know, on on the upcoming uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier uh, Disney Plus show, and also mentioned that um, uh, Chris Evans wasn't originally going to play Old Man Steve Rogers in Avengers Endgame, and that they actually wanted to cast an old dude to play Chris Evans. And they brought in actors and they're like, well, none of these, you know, kind of look like how Chris would look like when he's old. So and 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 apparently uh, in uh, Anthony Mackey's opinion, he's going to be like, you know, he's like George Clooney. He's going to be 95 and still like handsome, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so they basically brought in a makeup team and prosthetics. And I, my understanding is that they also um, used visual effects to... They did have a, a, a double for some of the skin and the body, and they used visual effects to kind of shrink
1: uh, Chris Evans down so that he looked older. Right. I guess kind of like they did in, in the first Avengers for that last part. Right. Yeah. So that makes sense. Which, because I've read that, and I'm sitting here like, well, why would they even consider anyone else going, I mean, doing, because like it's not like they have, haven't been doing prosthetics and stuff Prior to this, so why would they even consider getting someone else to do it as opposed to him unless maybe he didn't want to do it?
0: Right. Or oh, they just wanted something convincing. Sure. You know, because skinny, you know, I guess they didn't necessarily want to go the skinny Steve
1: route, but that's what they ended up doing. Right. But also, it wouldn't make sense given, you know, you know <laughs> given the character and that actually happened in the comics. Right. To a point. Well, actually, I take it back. When he lost the serum, he didn't necessarily go back to like skinny, skinny Steve, though
0: yeah he just got old
1: right so anyway, uh speaking of this Chris Evans stuff and dog you dog on autoplaying Chris Evans reportedly in talks to reprise a role as Captain America in the MCU to which um, he himself has finally come out and said that's news to him uh, uh, in a tweet but also as we have said prior to uh, prior to the show you know, the Disney snipers are out. So he not like he going, you know, he's gonna, um, you know, confirm it, confirm it. <laughs> exactly. He knows they're on the rooftops everywhere he goes. Exactly. So him saying that doesn't necessarily mean is not the case. And, you know, but according to this article from deadline, well, according to this article from deadline through IGN, um, they, they say it's unlikely that Evans would return to a full fledged Captain America movie, but with the likelihood being that he'd make a guest appearance in another superhero movie, kind of like uh, Tony Stark's, not um, Robert Downey Jr.'s Tony Stark in uh, Spider-Man: Homecoming. Mm-hmm. So, and also uh, Deadline also reports that the deal isn't closed, but it's in heading the direction of Evans returning to the role that he that he publicly said would be too risky to come back to. Um, he said it's not a hard no as explained in May of last year but it's not an eager yes either I think Cap had such a, such a tricky act to stick to landing in I think they did a really good job of letting him complete his journey so that's what he said last year but again right. never actually ruling anything out of his return
0: exactly and I think the I think the speculation of the the multiple you know the, of the Marvel multiverse um Playing a role in maybe his reappearance somewhere, not Possibly. necessarily within the main Marvel Cinematic Universe timeline, um, you know, you know, having that being a possibility, I think, um, you know, raises the the the, the possibility, mm-hmm. you know, or at least increases the possibility, um, or probability that he would, you know, maybe see a reason to come back, without disturbing finale that they gave
1: Captain America. Right. Or even kind of wrapping back around to, and I think we got a little bit of news on this also, wrapping back around to whatever ends up happening after, uh, at the close of Falcon and Winter Soldier. Right. um, That being the case, moving right along.
0: All right. Um, In technically Marvel news, (laughs) Sony postpones Marvel marvel's morbius movie release again morbius which stars jared leto has been delayed once more from march 19th 2021 which is disturbingly soon to october 8th 2021 by sony as reported by variety morbius is yet one of the is yet another of the many films that have been impacted by the COVID 19 pandemic and fans will need to wait a bit longer to see Leto as Dr. Michael Morbius, the biochemist who battles Spider-Man in Marvel Comics that accidentally becomes a monster while trying to create a cure for his rare blood disease.
1: Folks, y'all know how y'all know how we feel about uh, Jared Leto from 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 uh, from Suicide Squad. I, I believe that's pretty much notable at this point. Right, but we also have a certain feeling towards the Sony movies. So. Exactly. And that's exactly where I was going with that. So. I'd say I
0: think it's a little stronger than even, you know, his, his you know, holding anything against Jared Leto for uh, Suicide Squad.
1: Right. I think much more, um, Sony, give us back our characters. Right. Although they did say, wait, wasn't there something in this, uh, this thing? Yeah. Yeah. Um... Morbid's first trailer was released in 2020, uh, January 2021 and revealed a surprising connection to the universe of Tom Holland's Spider-Man, which, yeah, still goes with what uh, Agent 7 was saying, with Michael Keaton making an appearance. So we know it's tied to that, but still. But uh, that's obvious because, it, you know, Sony's got the, the Spider-Man license and they're in. Um, but, yeah, man, give 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 it to Marvel. Collab again, Sony. Come on, don't, don't be doing this. Don't do this. That's all we're asking for, and maybe not go with Jared Leto, but that's, you know, maybe he'll do all right. He actually wasn't bad in that Blade Runner movie, but I wasn't, for something about him, I just don't like. Um, Yeah. So we'll see how that plays out uh, coming forward, and I I don't feel like this is a necessary movie also. I will say that again. Uh, Next up, Ray Fisher clarifies uh, Cyborg's removal from the Flash movie, Jeff Johns still with Warner Media. And I feel like that's a, this was, yeah, there there was an update to an update that I didn't see previously. But anyway, uh, so Ray Fisher uh, is, for those that don't know, you know, um, Cyborg in the Justice League and have been calling out some problems on the set of uh, Justice League um, loud and proud and strongly. And this has been uh, been an ongoing thing for the past, actually almost going on a year probably after a while, um, it's getting to a point to where one media is saying one thing and you know, Fish is saying other thing against them with, with some receipts. Uh, so here, the actors posted a thread of tweets in relation to the Raps article that cited insiders with purported knowledge of the situation as the main source behind uh, emerging claims that Cyborg has been removed from the Flash movie screenplay and that the role isn't going to be recast. Uh, The story also asserted that Fisher publicly stated, "quote unquote," publicly stated that he did not want to be uh, involved with the project via Twitter, which I believe he pretty much said that that's not true. Um, and he basically further suggests that the rap uh, changed their article, uh, and then he flipped it back to talking about the uh, the studio. Uh, well, and, yeah, he basically said that he did not step down from it, as as the the article was saying, and that uh, then he, like I said, goes to talking about the studio and writing and other things, uh, directly dealing with like Walter Hamada, which we talked about last week, extending this contract contract with Warner Media, and that uh, Walter Hamada may have been tampering with uh, the uh, the Justice League inv- uh, investigation. So it's a whole thing, folks. And it mm. uh, seems to be, well, it seems to be content, uh, going, well, it, it seems to be still ongoing thing, uh, even if you go into what we're about to talk about next with.
0: Right. So Warner Media responds to Ray Fisher saying it is time to move on, and that's a bad sign. Mm-hmm. That means they're trying to hide something because it sounds like all the Republicans. Oh, no, we got exactly. political. <laughs>
1: Oh, is this won't be its the first Won't be the last time this episode.
0: <laughs> following its investigation into Ray Fisher's claim against Joss Whedon, Jeff Johns, Walter Hamada, and company, Warner Media has told the actor, as I said, to move on. Um, they state that uh, the Justice League investigation was conducted by an outside law firm and led by a former federal judge. A Warner Media rep told the rap. More than 80 people were interviewed. They have full confidence in its sternness and integrity, and remedial action has been taken. The investigation has concluded, and it is
1: time to move
0: on. Oh, that's a bad sign, folks.
1: Yeah, they're basically saying like, yeah, we're not trying to. You, 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 like, like Agent Seven said, you know, like, yeah, all right, you, 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 you messing around. We're not messing with you no more. Um, and yeah like he just said because that was the exact thing I was thinking like yeah they're trying to hide something they're absolutely trying to will we ever find out what it is who knows stay tuned because I'm pretty sure this is not the last time we're going to hear about this uh, Gal Gadot and Lindsay a. Carter share their experiences of playing Wonder Woman in a new video um, so apparently they got together for a virtual chat on Instagram about their time playing Wonder Woman um, of course Gal Gadot is currently playing the character, and Linda Carter is the uh, the, uh, the iconic uh, television version. If you don't know who Linda Carter is, I don't know what's wrong with you. <laughs> what is wrong with you? Anywho, uh, in the video, t- two actors shared their reactions to find out that they'd been cast as an iconic superhero, and Carter reenacted her response by throwing her hands up and yelling, uh, she also spoke about uh, how she was more interested in playing the role seriously rather than in a more cartoonist style uh, she quotes uh, Wonder Woman was not a cartoon to me growing up I loved her I felt powerful when I read the comic books uh, she added my main objective was that uh, the women that women would love her and of course the, the, um, the article seems to be still attached uh, I mean excuse me, the video is still attached to this article From Instagram, so I may have to check that out later. Next up,
0: all right. Next up, so although Wonder Woman 1984 has dipped into rotten territory on Rotten Tomatoes, and for a good reason, which that hasn't stopped the film from being submitted for every Academy
1: Awards category. Really, really going to try it. you knew they were gonna try. First of all, I don't think is that. Well, one we've discussed this. If you go back to what was it, episode, uh, a couple of episodes ago, about that. Um, rotten Tomatoes is bunk. I don't give a care what you say. Them and and um, <laughs> it's a I bunch of bullshit. Care. I
0: don't care what the rotten to- see. That's the thing. Roddy Cat is is uh is definitely on the right track here. Not the biggest fan of the rotten. Uh, the the rotten uh, degrees of um, rating on, on on Rotten Tomatoes because they involve all of these ratings from people online who I'm not sure how they got their you know their their ratings counted or their reviews counted. So, and but, as, uh, no, as a person as a person who really wasn't a fan of the movie, I I'm just like yo seriously. So you created a for your consideration page and submitted. The, the Wonder Woman sequel for consideration in, in all 15 categories of the 93rd Academy Awards, including everything from best picture to best original score. Okay, survey says... Hey, look, you got to try it. That's you... me.
1: So, yeah. you know, I, I
0: don't care about the Rotten Tomato score um, because, you know, I, I, unless you're looking at... What's frustrating about the Rotten Tomatoes score, and 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 and, and, I, and I don't want to, I don't want to dwell on this too long. It's what I said earlier, which is where they're drawing all these reviews from. Right. But um, I have so many frustrations with the movie that I can't even believe that they would try to
1: submit for these awards. But you know, there's only so many
0: movies out this year, so not
1: a surprise. I mean, I can. Like I said, you gotta you gotta try something. You know, something's, something's bound to stick with some of those categories, even if it's not you know the the, the bigger ones. But as far as Rotten some is is concerned, that and um, whatever the video game version of it, which is slipping my mind at this moment, they can be gamed, and they have been gamed prior to. Like, yeah, they've been trying to take steps as to to, to, to counter against that because you got you know. Critical scores, critic scores, and then you got like just random ass people doing their scores, and all that is aggregated together. And of course, with people who who just don't like stuff, they will try to take the scores on Rotten Tomatoes, thinking that's gonna gonna hurt the, the movie. They do the same thing with video games. Um and it sucks and I hate those sites for that reason because and and the fact that companies are using those scores to saying well this is clearly a thing and this is not a thing is really stupid like especially in the video game uh, corner, um, that that this happens a lot. That's <laughs> fine. You, you can think about. I mean, you, you know, you can have that. I mean, but no, listen. I know
0: <laughs> that the video game corner of the uh, of the internet and and, and the world is
1: uh, is is heavily populated. So, right. um, but it's still the same principle with Rotten Tomatoes and this because they like, you know, they do the same thing with well, the movies.
0: You know, if if you know, uh, I don't know if they have like separate scores, like audience score and um, yes, and, and, and rating and whatchamacallit we'll call it, like I believe uh, so. yeah, they do have, like special ratings.
1: Right, right. I believe so, that there is a critics aggregate and a and a, uh, like a just a random person aggregate. I believe. Right. So, you know, I tend not to pay attention to the random person aggregate, but what, you I know. tend not to pay attention to either one. But just the fact that they're on Rotten Tomatoes as they are and the way they it, like it's, it's stupid. Move right along. <laughs> I was about to say that's fine. Yeah. Um. I uh, think that's me too. Yeah. No, no, no. This is. is, m- is oh, you it? know. Yeah. This is you because I was complaining about the Academy Awards. Okay, okay. Go ahead. Um, Henry Cavill dons dons Reeves Superman suit and Snyder's uh, hashtag Henry Cavill Superman photo. Um, so apparently, wait, hold on. Yeah, I should recheck that. Anyway, um, excuse me. Man of Steel director uh, Zack Snyder showed his support for hashtag Henry Cavill Superman by sharing an old photo of Cavill wearing Christopher Reeve's suit from 1978. Um, I was going to make a dry cleaning joke there and I am like, you know what? Never mind. Uh, Snyder shared the black and white photo of, of Superman actor donning uh, the classic suit on Twitter with the cash from Henry Cavill is Superman. I mean, he kind of already played it so I don't even know why you have to keep doing that. <laughs> um... Snyder previously shared the, the photo in 2017, saying that it was taken during a screen test for the 2013 DCEU uh, film. Uh, if you could put on that suit and pull it off, that's an amazing a- achievement, uh, he said at the time. He walked out, and no one laughed. Uh, other actors put on the suits, and it's a joke, even if they're great actors. Henry put it on, and he exuded this kind of crazy, calm confidence that made me go, wow, okay. Which puts me back to Hamilton, but I, didn't to, I don't know why I didn't say it like that. Um... This is Superman, so yeah. I don't. Zack Snyder's caving for, for Henry Cavill, which to be fair, Cavill's not a bad Superman. I don't, and I know there's been a lot of people who are like, and eh, no, er, why? But he, he wasn't terrible.
0: Man of Steel jump wasn't Z- uh, jumping a lake, Zack Snyder.
1: But anyway, right, uh, and also <laughs> that, but also Man of Steel had other problems, and and you know Henry Cavill not necessarily uh, was what. No! The, Anyway. Yes. uh, Next.
0: Next up, there's no hope that Green Arrow and the Canaries will find a berth at HBO Max after the CW passed on the Arrowverse spinoff, according to TV line editor-in-chief Matt Webb Midovich. Yeah, the HBO Max option was already thoroughly explored, I hear, especially as leadership shifted over there, and that is why the final cancellation decision took as long as it did no dice. Green Arrow and the Canaries was a proposed spin off of Arrow which ended its eight-season run on the CW in 2020. The concept was introduced as a backdoor pilot in Arrow in January 2020, right after the Crisis on Infinite Earths crossover of Supergirl, Batwoman, The Flash, Arrow, and Legends of Tomorrow. Set 20 years in the future, Mia Smoke, daughter of Oliver Queen and Felicity Smoke, teams with Black Siren, Laurel Lance, and Black Canary, Dinah Drake, to to save Star City, uh, another fictitious DC city, from a new crime wave. While the CW chose not to pick up Green Arrow and the Canaries, Arrowverse executive producer Mark Guggenheim indicated there are still ways to tell their story, even if the series fell through.
1: So, in other words, probably animated series like they did with uh, the Ray and other proper uh, and. um, The couple of them they did, I would assume. I was
0: about to say or guest spots on the CW shows like more crisis you know oh yeah definitely probably definitely infinite that but. yeah they'll probably call it infinite crisis to bring in the future people you know you never know
1: yeah um i still never really caught up to uh i still need to catch up to the the um the Airverse stuff because the last couple of seasons i think i don't know what happened but um um oh i do know what happened because they stopped really the the cw channel here went changing some stuff and i couldn't really watch it anymore uh, but not all that stuff is on on Netflix, so I guess I can at some point. But kind of sad to see this. But also, Birds of Prey two point you know, who's who's to say whether that needs it to exist or not? I'm sure they were actually good uh, good at it though. Good, uh, you know, it ended up good uh, in a good way. And like I says, we'll probably see it again at some point. Uh, World War Two Justice Society World War Two movie announces all star voice cast. So, uh, according to the Hollywood Reporter, Justice Society World War II stars um, uh, mm-hmm. Stana Katic as Wonder Woman, Matt Balmer as The Flash, Alicia Rotaro as Black Canary, uh, Chris, oh God, Diamond T- Topolis, excuse me, as Steve uh, Trevor, Omed Aptai as Hawkman, Matt Mercer as Our Man, Armin Taylor as Jay Garrick, Liam McIntyre as uh Aquaman, uh Ashley Lathrop as Iron Iris West, and uh Jeffrey everett as Charles Hestead Advisor. Oh wait, okay, and Keith Ferguson as Doctor Fate. And Darren DePaul as Roosevelt. So there you go. Bunch of names for this uh Justice Society animated uh thing that is coming out. uh spring 2021 so soon-ish um also yeah i forgot about that yeah that batman sword of the dragon should be out next week i believe or actually this week maybe this between this week and next week depending on which version you plan on watching which looks cool i want to check that out next up
0: all righty next up uh spoiler alert for star trek discovery a certain person has been promoted to captain, a historic first for the franchise. Uh, so, spoiler alert: was that? Go ahead. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say spoiler spoiler alert for anyone who doesn't watch Star Trek Discovery or is behind because mm-hmm. um, you know none other than um, a former Walking Dead alum has been promoted to uh, captain, uh, marking uh, Michael Burnham. Um, played by Sonequa Martin-Green, has uh, been promoted to the position of captain on uh, the USS Discovery. Um, In fact, this makes the first time a black woman has ever held a role
1: in a permanent capacity in any mainline Star Trek series. So, one, this was inevitable because uh, Michael Burnham, uh, Sonequa Martin-Green's character, is pretty much in the main character of this show. Which was kind of weird that she wasn't already captain, you know, it was being questioned at the time why she wasn't already captain then. Although, if you know what happens in in the first couple of episodes of um, the show, you understand what what goes on, which at least I have seen that part. Now I'm kind of behind. But it's still good. And I feel like, and I said, the um, because I feel like there's a caveat in that. Because... If you go by the fact that yes, in a in the mainline Star Trek show, as far as the star and uh, the crew is concerned, yes, that is the case. But there absolutely has been black uh, woman cap, uh, captains that showed up in Star Trek. Uh, famously, Mad Sinclair uh, played two different captains. Actually, she played an unknown captain in uh, Star Trek V, and she played George LaForge's mom. And Star right. Trek like, um, Enterprise, but again, I see why why, this, why they say it like this because that is the case here. Like as right. far as mainline stars and, and, and mainline folks in um, in a Star Trek series, this is mm-hmm. absolutely true. But there's been not not just Mexico but there's been others just kind of named or unnamed that have popped up in the series, just not in this capacity,
0: just not as the lead, right? Exactly. Just not as
1: the lead. Uh, character in the lead story. Exactly. So, this is still still historic. <laughs> Regardless. And I'm look, actually looking forward to catching up on um, uh, uh, Discovery. Because I'm hearing good things about it. Next up, though. Whoops, and that's the page on Magic Lair. But, uh, Captain Marvel's 2's Brie Larson shows off her home gym as she prepares for the sequel. So, apparently she, uh, um. She, I don't know. Wait, was this on Instagram, or this was just like some fan side, I guess. Um, Larson provided a short video tour of her home gym, and says, uh, "As you know, Captain Marvel Two is gearing up. I can't say much about uh, about it than that because of Disney snipers." She said before taking the camera to her gym, which includes plates, kettleballs, medicine balls, uh, a bench, and a rack, and more quote unquote. i have a ridiculous a ridiculously really intimidating home gym she added in closing and i'm pretty sure there's some some gym rats or whatever like <laughs> you know you don't <laughs> i don't know there are some i
0: was about <laughs> to say in the in, in, in the covid 19 world everybody uh everybody has something that looks like a home gym it just may not be you know yeah. it's all that
1: impressive yeah, but I mean, also she has the means to to be able to. Oh, know, absolutely. And I would imagine since she's got it, she's probably got spaces, you know, to to to, mm. to be able to handle that. So I'm pretty sure it's it is good. I, I haven't seen this video to to know. So, but hey, you can check it out because it's in the article in the show notes. Next up, there you go. Uh, it's gonna be a
0: while before we see Ryan Reynolds back as the titular vigilante in Deadpool three, but the long-awaited sequel will be will be. A part of the Marvel Cinematic Universe when it finally arrives. Speaking about the project with Collider, why does it say Marvel head? Kevin Feige <laughs> provided substantial. I know, I know, because it's 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 part of you know it's like you know it's part of uh, setting, you know you know it's kind of like the. Um, the rule where you know every comic is somebody's first comic, every story
1: is right. somebody's first story, right? Yeah. And somebody might, yeah, right? Somebody reading this article might not know who Kevin Feige is because they're just exactly, yeah, you know. exactly. But for us, Kevin Feige
0: provided a substantial update on the status of the project, confirming its R rating. Feige also addressed the studio's plan to bring Wade Wilson into the MCU. He states, it will be rated R, and we are working on a script right now, and Ryan's overseeing a script right now. It will not be filming this year. Ryan is a very busy, very successful actor. We've got a number of things we've already announced that we now have to make, but it's exciting for it to have begun. Again, a very different type of character in the MCU. And Ryan is a force of nature, which is just awesome to see him bring that character to life. I
1: guess. I don't think you're in the it's
0: going to be interesting. I guess. Listen, Deadpool's not everybody's cup of tea. It's amusing, totally. but to a point for me. You right. know? I mean, like, don't I get me me wrong. Like What's that? I'm sorry, what'd you say? I was just saying, I hate the fact that, you know,
1: uh, the X-Men are kind of treated as, like, super secondary characters. Yes. But what are you going to do, you know? Yeah, and don't get me wrong, like I said, I am not the biggest Deadpool character, but I did love, enjoy that first movie a a lot. I respect you for that. I still haven't seen the second one yet, and, you know, and Ryan Reynolds, I'm not, like, real real big, big on him either, but, you know, he played a part.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Sometimes it gets, and I think if if there is in any actual annoyance between uh, Hugh Jackman and him, I can probably understand it. And I don't even know the dude. <laughs> um. Anyway, going back to some news we alluded to earlier, which I don't know why I have it here instead of uh, early on, but Falcon and Winter Soldier um, news. Uh, Anthony Mackie confirms Captain America title is still up for grabs so actor uh, anthony mackie weighed in on whether or not falcon or bucky will be the new permanent owner of captain america's shield in falcon and falcon the mental soldier uh when asked if falcon sam wilson is taking up the captain america mantle in the disney plus series mackie confirmed that the role is still open in the mcu uh no we don't know that yet he complied on the again the jess kegel show whoever that is uh, the show, the idea of the show referring to Falcon and Winter Soldier is basically, at the end of the Avengers Endgame, Cap decided what he wanted to do going into retirement, and he asked uh, me, I guess, his character Falcon, if he would take up the shield, but at no point did I agree to or say that I would be Captain America. Which I feel like that kind of mirrors real life statements uh, that Anthony Mackey has said early on. Uh, um, but you know, things tame time shame and so does money. Um But oh, was okay. also-
0: just I was about to say Jess Cagle apparently is um he pre- apparently hosts a radio show on Sirius XM. Ah, uh, okay. And he was he's an award winning entertainment journalist and former editor of People. So
1: who? <laughs>
0: <laughs> exactly. Well I you know, I had to I had to figure I had to find out because I was like, Who the heck is this person that's right. getting this? Cool information,
1: right? Because yeah, even when you were talking, when you mentioned it earlier, I was like, yeah, I can hear it in them right now. <laughs> so, and I would definitely because I think this is not the not the first time that this person has shown up in one of these articles. So it is what it is. Um, oh, in the exclusive first look of the series this shared at Disney twenty twenty Investor's Day, Mackie's character Sam Wilson said, "The legacy of that shield is complicated," which is basically in that trailer that we're talking about. So, yeah, there you go. Um, we'll see what happens when that show shows up later this year. Next up. Veteran
0: soap opera actor John Riley, not with no middle initial, who also provided the voice for Clinton Barton Hawkeye on 1994's Iron Man, uh, the animated series, has passed away. He was 86 years old. Riley's daughter, Caitlin Riley, confirmed his passing
1: in a post to Instagram alright yeah as the world turns okay and he was also on that incredible hulk and our uh, Wonder Woman shows back in the 70s and 80s
0: maybe he was one of those that guys
1: maybe I kind of wonder apparently he was also on Dallas and Beverly Hills 90210 later on so and Passions and Sunset Beach and General Hospital so he's done rounds okay (laughs) i have watched some of the shows but i don't remember him anyway next up, uh the boys star confirms season three's production start so apparently um actor anthony Starr, aka homelander recently discussed how excited he was to get back to work on the boys and revealed when season three will likely film in toronto toronto canada uh star confirmed that the filming will likely begin in february and he says uh we haven't got uh, a specific date yet but in the not too distant in the not too distant future within a month or so uh, Mr. Science Theater fans will maybe or may not appreciate that little ditty Uh, Star told comicbook.com says uh, I think because of COVID and because we're shooting in the winter which is going to be a little difficult it limits us to interior shots uh, initially Uh, so it's going so it's a very staggered intake of the cast to the shooting schedule this season so there you go. Next.
0: American God Season 3 sees the return of many familiar faces. However, one god is taking on a new look to adapt with the times, as is the case for Ms. World, who is the godly personification of globalization. In Season 3, Episode 1, A Winter's Tale, Ms. World decides to present herself in a new form with actor Dominique Jackson taking on the role. Formerly portrayed by Crispin Glover, the God used to be a white man in his 40s with gray-brown hair. Uh, World often wore a dark fedora, white shirt, and black suit with matching tie. But at the start of Season 3, the God decides to change things, taking on a new form as Ms. World. The God is a black woman shedding the traditionally masculine clothes in favor of a pair of heels, a form-fitting brown dress, and gold accessories.
1: Okay. So what this article doesn't necessarily go into, for whatever odd reason, is that that the the actress who will be playing Miss World, uh, Dominique Jackson, is a dope trans actress who uh, most will know her from the series Pose, playing Electra of Abundance. And... she was pretty dope in that. So, good for her and good for the show, but the other I know a lot of people have dropped the show because of everything that happened with uh, Orlando Jones uh, uh a couple of years ago or a year or two ago.
0: So, okay. There's, there's I mean, there. I hate to drop this, but Who? But what, you don't know Orlando <laughs> Jones? Orlando Jones. Not on Orlando Jones. Oh. I um the, act, the the show that you were referring to earlier, I'm like who?
1: Right, right. Yeah, you know, and I, I mean I only know it because I I was watching it with some people that I know, so that's how I know it. And her, got it. Um, next up though,
0: am I do I have this one? The Umbrella Academy. Yes. Okay. Uh, the Umbrella Academy introduces Sparrow Academy cast and a green cube for season three. The finale episode of the Umbrella Academy Season 2 ended with the shocking revelation of a completely altered timeline and the existence of the Sparrow Academy, including the very much alive but emo Ben. Um, Just like the OG Hargreaves siblings, we too had been in the dark about the identity of the rest of the Sparrows, but not anymore as Netflix has finally debuted the cast of the Sparrow Academy, along with a detailed description of the characters they will play. Feel free to jump into this article. There's a lot of information. Indeed.
1: Have you actually watched any of this show? I have. It's good. Uh-huh. It is a pleasant surprise. Mm. I've heard people say good things about the first season, but not so much the second.
0: I take it as a whole because I binged them both because I didn't catch the first season um, in real time. Right. So as the second season was out, I figured I'd start watching the first season and then just rolled right into the second season. You know, this is COVID watching. You know, this yeah. is definitely, you know, like the the very you know this came out in the summer like mm-hmm. the early summer midsummer you know like july-ish or Juneish. Mm-hmm. so we were still in the midst of lock you know like you know like serious lockdown so um there was not much else to do but binge tv and thankfully the umbrella academy was there so i definitely watched the first two seasons and okay let's
1: not say record time because we know what my record time is yes indeed because you have you have Putting some work on the bench factors, um, yeah. I haven't watched this yet, but I may, may give it a shot at some point after some other things clear out. Uh, Tom Holland.
0: Clone Wars.
1: <laughs> <so> what? <laughs> it's a Clone Wars. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Tom Holland has hinted uh, where fans can expect the first footage of the upcoming big screen adaptation of the video game franchise Uncharted yes it's not a video game related but we we'll work with him here anyway uh, Holland released a simple tweet with the date 1401 21st or 21, which is basically today um, uh, if I'm not mistaken Actually, it is today. We know that. But um, along with a winking, smiley face emoticon, while it is entirely possible the star is seizing uh, another of his future projects, such as uh, Untitled Spider-Man 3 or the Russo Brothers interpretation of Nico Walker's novel Cherry, it's more likely uh, in reference to Uncharted. Now, I don't know. I don't think there was any other news about this that came out today or, or unless I missed it. Because um, I don't recall seeing anything that came out today or today about it. But regardless, the film is set to arrive in theaters on July twenty second, soon July sixteenth of this year. So maybe there's a trailer that's out there that I'm that I missed out on today or something. I don't know. So whether it means this movie or whether it means something else, you know, I don't think I've seen anything Tom Holland related today. So we'll see. Um sometimes articles will be spitballing. You know, sometimes you gotta go go with that spitball because you never know. It's um you know, it is what it is. Shout out to Tim, by the way. (laughs) Next up.
0: Alrighty, next up, um the More Than Miyagi documentary memorializes the Karate Kids Pat Morita, directed by Kevin Derrick. The documentary includes exclusive interviews with the Karate Kids Ralph Macchio. And, uh, William Zapka, Happy Days' Marion Ross and Henry Winkler, and fellow comics Larry Miller and Tommy Chong. The upcoming documentary will also include archival footage from past interviews with Marita as confirmed by Entertainment Weekly. Um the article says that this is going to drop, and I'm waiting for this page to load. It's being annoying. Um, More Than Miyagi premieres on iTunes, Amazon Prime Video, and other streaming platforms on February 5th,
1: 2021. That's cool. So, I just did a quick search. Um... I see things talking about Tom Holland, and looks like it might be about that movie Cherry's talking about right, um, but I've also seen a bunch of appreciation posts and stuff like that. So I don't really seeing anything um, hard on that one. So yeah, we'll see. Uh, anyway, but yeah, that I had to put that Pat Morita thing in here because, like, yeah, so a lot of people might may have, of a certain vintage know him as a karate kid. Some of others might have known him from *Happy Days* and that really stupid movie he did with uh, jay leno but you know there was more to him and i'm actually want to check this out uh next up though um uh, filmmaker john m chu has announced that he's stepping away from the upcoming willow series on disney plus uh the series is a which is the sequel to the 1988 movie of the same name was announced by uh in um, october 2020 Chu was, uh, was set to direct the, plot, pot, the pilot. Lord excuse me, and executive uh, produce the project, which will see Warwick Davis reprise his role as uh, Willow Ufgood from the original movie, um, and not Wicked. Um, Wicked the Ewok. Um, I'm heartbroken to let you all know that I am unfortunately have to step down, a step away from directing Willow. Chu said in a statement, "With the production schedule moving." Uh, Due to continued lockdowns in the UK and a new baby coming this summer, surprise, uh, the timing is just not going to work out for me and my family. So, there you go. It's too bad. Yeah,
0: indeed. Next up. Next up, the market is seemingly hot for 1980s TV vehicle auctions. Um, We did see the story about David Hasselhoff auctioning off his, uh, his specific... Um, official kit from Knight Rider, but also on the block, um, according to worldwide auctioneers, is one of the six official A team vans used to promote the TV series at 1980s auto shows. The proceeds will benefit the nonprofit J. Cruz um, Education Center Career Coaching Academy. A variety of prop guns are included, but unfortunately, not a cabbage cannon. And if you look at the picture, unfortunately, it has—it looks like a, a, a pump shotgun and uh, an old model of a Car 15, the the carbine version of the um, the M16. It does not have the Ruger Mini 14, which is the gun that the A team generally used in the TV show.
1: Hello. This is why this is why I mess with my, my, my homeboy here, who for for for, for knowing that, <laughs> you know, like that details, like like that's the detail. I don't even, I didn't even remember about the eighteen, but I remembered a good, uh, fair, a t- uh, decent about about the motions. Anyway, um, so yeah, there you go. And I think the according to the the site, uh, the the auctioneer site, like yeah, it's still. Both of those uh, auctions are still going. For I'm not sure what time is um, on them, but apparently they are still they're still out there. So if you got that kind of cheese, you know, have at it. I guess. Mhm. Uh, next up. Uh, fast. Oh yeah. So it's so a little bit of Fast and Furious news going on here. We, you know, this is a kind of a a, a side favorite of uh of of the Cumber Chronicles here. Uh, It's a a crossover. It really is. It really is. Uh, Vin Diesel has discussed uh, some of the rumors and revelations surrounding Fast 9, including the reason for Han's return and the possibility of the franchise going to space. Uh, In an interview with Entertainment Weekly, Diesel explained why Han is being brought back from the dead for the next... uh, Um... From the next installment in the plotting Billionaire franchise, which I totally forget that that movie is not out yet.
0: It's, uh, which one? It's, um, delayed because of COVID. It was supposed right. to come out earlier this year.
1: Right. Um, well, well, I mean, we're still early in this year, but yes. Um I mean, earlier I mean, 2020, it. Right. Um, yeah, and I think it's supposed to be still coming out, like, spring, something like But We'll get to that in a second. Um... So these explain why Han is bringing back from the dead, like I said, and uh, seemingly killed off, why he was seemingly killed off in, or after the character was seemingly killed off in Tokyo Drift. He explained the importance of his return, referring to Han as an integral character in the franchise. I can't say that I would dispute that. Uh, quote, if you remember, he's kind of responsible for the away years of Dom Toretto, Diesel said, speaking about the connection between the character and Sun Kang's uh, character in the movies. He's the one doing jobs with him in Mexico. He's the only one who knows where Dom is. And in many ways, the bridge for Dom when uh, Dom comes back in Tokyo Drift. I would posit here that he's not the only one because I think... um if you go with my dissertation on the timeline of Fast and the Furious uh, mixing with Triple X, we know, also know where he was during those away times. Yeah. But, you know, what? that's another time. We won't go into that right now. because That's I mean, funny. Um,
0: I also wanted to note that if you look on this IGN page, you have the IGN page up. Yep. The character posters that are included for this uh, for this movie, the one for Han says "Justice is coming." I love
1: that. That's awesome. Oh yes, and and as uh, if you've been paying attention to this show, uh, you know how many times uh, Agent Seventy has been saying "Justice for Han." Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> you know, and of of all the character
0: posters, that's the only one that actually has text on it.
1: Yep. Yeah, yeah. I'm, <laughs> I'm I'm filtering through them right now. That's
0: so awesome.
1: Uh, Tyrese is still involved. Yuck.
0: Um, <laughs> Listen, he's been there since Too Fast, Too Furious. I know, I
1: know, but they've because got because he's of, hungry. They've <laughs> gotten rid of lesser character for for <laughs> Wesler They again, we talked about it last week. I mean, I know Gal Gadot's going to be doing better things, but uh, they they could very much bring her character back now that Hans back. You know.
0: That's funny. Anyway. Alright, we're gonna transition over to comic news. We
1: absolutely are.
0: Meanwhile, at the Hall of Justice.
1: Peach Momoko's upcoming Prestige X-Men series, Demon Days X-Men, uh will be introducing will be introduced in a six-page bonus story in King and Black number four, uh due out in February, according to Marvel. Uh this will be the first writing and interior artwork uh by Momoko who's known for her variant covers. Um, the backup story felt like we had a, a a similar story about this last week, but I'm bringing it up anyway. Uh, the backup story will feature Momoko's reimagined takes on X-Men characters, Psylocke, Emma Frost, and Juggernaut. Um, the intro story and the Prestige series will include concepts uh, such as yokai stories, horror, Japanese folklores, and classic samurai tales, according to Momoko so demon days x-men will launch in march and then will be released every three months um following for a wow. three months we will forget i mean it, it's it's kind of hard given that how how things come out or at least how things have come out pre-covid where and even now with certain books that's come out like either you know every two weeks or books will uh, much less stuff that comes out in a monthly time. We sometimes forget about what's going on in it. So mm-hmm. they're doing this every three months. So we're like, we're like, what in the world happened here? That in the last issue. But anyway, next up. So
0: in Reign of X news, you know this article that we're referring to um, from the beat uh, when Marvel dubbed the post Ten of Swords uh, era for the X titles reign of X. They weren't kidding. The line already includes 10 titles. This is what we we're talking about before. Mm-hmm. There's already 10 titles. And now the publisher has announced yet another edition way of X. The series will be written by Sy Spurrier with art by Bob Quinn and cover art by Giuseppe Comuncoli. Camon- His name is misspelled in this article. No colorist or letterer were named in the announcement. The Way of X will follow Nightcrawler in an examination of some of the larger questions of faith and existence raised by the new status quo for the X-Men, namely the subjects of Protocol V. Here's how Marvel describes the series. Mutantkind has built a new Eden, but there are serpents in the garden. Some mutants struggle to fit in. Some mutants turn to violence and death. And the... Uh, And the children whisper of the patchwork man, singing in their hearts. Only one mutant senses the looming shadows, snared by questions of death, law, and love. Uh, Only Nightcrawler can fight for the soul of Krakoa. Okay.
1: Which I feel like this, that, what you just mentioned, that whole quote you just mentioned was absolutely mentioned in uh, a a recent X book. Um, So I'm sure that I just probably pulled that from that. But yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, look, I love not Carlos or so anything that's going to gonna feature him prominently. I'm hoping it's going to be good. Excuse me. Oh, hope so.
0: Hope so. Yeah. Talk about another direction for the Xbox to go to cover another aspect of the Crocoan life. Exactly.
1: Um And yeah, as you said, those like, yeah, there's already been 10 books, and they had definitely got rid of some of them, and yet we're still getting more, and I think we even still got one or two that have been announced that are still on the shelf somewhere that's waiting to come out.
0: Right, already already now
1: um, solicited Hmm. So hopefully we'll get to see that book or those books at some point too, so I'm going to come to, and I'm sure at some point they're going to probably cleave off some more um anyway let's see Marvel Comics is celebrating Man-Thing's 50th anniversary with a series uh, titled uh, published under the Curse of the Man-Thing banner and one of them will feature Spider-Man following Avengers Curse of the Man-Thing Spider-Man Curse of the Man-Thing will follow Peter Parker and Miles Morales as they race through New York City when a villain named the Harrower steals the Man-Thing's powers with the intent to scour the globe bars um, in the process, Peter tracks down Dr. Kurt Connors, better known as the Lizard, who may hold the answers to saving the Man Thing. Um, you know, those who know the touch of man. I don't know. I don't remember the thing, but you know, y'all know what I'm about to say. Some of y'all do, anyway. Here's some of the cover stuff, um, and that will be coming out March. Oh, excuse me, the. April is when the Spider-Man: The Curse of the Man thing number one is coming out, and the Avengers: Curse of the Man thing will go on sale in March. Excuse me. Next.
0: All right. So, uh, Marvel has teased that Miles Morales is about to embark on his own. Listen for it, folks. Clone Saga. Yeah. Miles Spider-Man number 25 in April. I don't know why I thought Saladin Ahmed was going to leave this book, but it seems like he is on for this ride. Which is so, fine me. So, uh, Miles Morales' Spider-Man is slated to debut a new version of the controversial clone saga. Marvel revealed the new logo as well as a debut date of April 2021. In April 2021, things get wild for miles, the publisher said in a statement, promising more information. Let's go, series writer Saladin Ahmed wrote
1: on Twitter. Okay. So, the clone saga in the Spider-Man mythos is, um, some would say derisive. I think it would be fair to say. You know, some people like the clone sagas, a lot of people don't divisive is, an easy, is a pretty calm word for it yes yes <laughs> it was the, it was the it was the nicest way for me to say that Because yep. um, even when I saw this article, I was like, oh God no, please no <laughs> but you know i, I like I told someone on 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 discord I was like, you know what I trust uh Saladin, Ahmed and crew, so I feel like and we have definitely seen kind of shades of some of this coming up in the book so it this should not have been a big of a surprise that this was coming Mm -hmm. especially with the fact that marvel has been pretty much revisiting a whole lot of uh uh, classic events so this should not have been a surprise one way or the other but here we go we're getting into it or we will get into it in april right Uh, Spider-Woman's original costume returns in mid-2021, and I would postulate here that the the costume's already been back because she's been wearing it in Savage Adventures. But, um, throughout her history as a superhero, Jessica Drew, a.k.a. Spider-Woman, has been known by her trademark red and yellow original costume. That costume will make a uh, comeback in Spider-Woman number 11. Uh, The costume change comes as an attempt for Jessica to... Quote, unquote, return to normal or what passes for normal in her life according to writer Carla Pachico uh, in issue 11 we see Jess setting aside her latest suit for now and gearing up once again in the iconic red and yellow costume albeit with a new, few new touches and some surprises courtesy of the always inventive uh, Perry Perez uh, Pacheco said reference to the series artist Perry Perez Perry Perez so there we go. Those of you who didn't like the new suit, will definitely be getting the old suit back. But again, like I said, it's not like yeah, that's... never left. Yeah, like exactly. Said. So
0: I do yeah, I'm carpet, not though. that big a fan of the new suit. Yeah. You know, I've said it before on the show.
1: So mm-hmm. yeah, like I, I grew into to kind of sort of dealing with or liking it. But yeah, I was like at first, I was like, yeah, it's kind of weird. But that's not a Marvel Legends I'm gonna run out to get. You know what I'm <laughs> saying? Indeed uh and if you're if you're not familiar with Spider-Woman uh and you don't know what it looks like the the if you are seen watching the video you can see what it looks like on the cover so. i um on a on a side note real quick that i was uh, on uh my stream and we uh my I do twist stream sometimes and we were talking about old cartoons and uh somebody in my chat brought up um that they were they put their son onto Spider Man and their Amazing Friends, to which I was like, yo, you might want to put him on to the Spider Woman show that came out a little bit earlier because it features Spider Man pretty heavily, you know, pretty prominently, especially in the first episode where in the first fifteen minutes it's pretty much just Spider Man. Mm. Uh, and also put him on to the seventies and which this person was you know. You know, I reminded this person that the 70s Spider Man and Japanese uh Spider Man are, are also out there if you wanna <laughs> hip your son up to that or his hip hip his hip their son up to that stuff. All right. Um, you know what I was gonna mention?
0: was that? Jessica Drew is wearing the red costume in all of Last Remains also. Mm-hmm. Yep. So it's even more ob you
1: know, it's it's even more obvious that the costume never really left. Right. Like, Because we've seen it in so many other places outside of her book. <laughs> so. mm-hmm. uh, but anyway, Jane Foster returns to the spotlight. No, I was going to say, I got this one. Oh, yeah, I'm sorry. Mm. Uh,
0: Marvel's King in Black, Return of the Valkyries, creative team of writers Jason Aaron and Torun Gronbeck unite uh, with that series as cover artist uh, Mattia DeUlis for a new five-issue limited series titled... The Mighty Valkyries: The Mighty Valkyries will center on the reborn group of Valkyries organized by Jane Foster in King and Black, Return of the Valkyries, specifically Jane herself and the mysterious new character, who we all know is the, as the first of the Valkyries who made her debut in Return of the Valkyries number one in the new title, Loki, of course, will set Jane and her allies on a mysterious quest. All right, so there'll be a trap Call quest. No, I was about to say, you know, they might have a second breakfast at some point. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Eleventies? (laughs) That's funny. Anyway, um, Marvel under pressure to retire Punisher character and logo. Um voices calling for Marvel to retire the Punisher and or his logo following its continued adoption as a symbol of hatred and division have increased following the riots in the cap- at the Capitol in Washington, D.C. last week. Uh, multiple uh, writers were seen sporting a modified version of the iconic uh, character's logo as they stormed the Capitol in a act of domestic terrorism and thank you for this article for calling it what it is. We also, on a side note, have seen... We've talked about articles where the police has had the Punisher logo on either their person or on their cars, which was to very poor taste. And I think this article actually goes on to say that also. Um... So, yeah, and there's even an article in this... um, I mean, there's a picture in this article of... I guess, supposedly, that... I don't see it on there, but definitely, yeah. And even... um, um, some comic book artists, like Jamal Argo, have come out saying that um, it's time to put the Punisher out the pasture. The concept was corrupted. I'm kind of of two minds of this because I kind of sort of agree, but at the same time, I don't know. Ah, it's tough because the
0: symbolism is you know is one of the coolest parts of the character, right? right? The symbol. Right. Right? Because all you have to do is draw the silhouette with the skull and you know who it is. Right. Right. And that's the worst part, because it's a very it's supposed to be a very frightening image. And that's what they're trying to appropriate. Right. That's the problem. Right. If if uh, it was scarier to have pointy bat wings on your head, that's what they would appropriate. Right. You know, so that's really what it comes down to. And that's what's frustrating, and that's and that's why I understand because the character, and I've been a Punisher fan for a long time, mm-hmm. but you know you have to understand that he is literally the character that that does the things that the heroes are supposed are not supposed to do. Right. That's what you're supposed to understand.
1: Like, right? He's like, yeah. And there's been, you know, in there's in history there have been folks who have done the same thing that the Punisher does, and sadly have gotten off. Uh, gotten away with it, uh, and realistically, the, the Punisher as a character would should would and should be in jail because he's pretty much a serial killer. Right, and
0: has been him. repeatedly, and that's always been you know one of the the sources of storylines. Right, because the Punisher is always under uh, uh, is always under the is always uh, under the uh, uh, the scope of uh, law enforcement. All the time, from right. his very first appearance till till you know till now, right? So, you know, even it's not in, like uh, they're 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 not trying to
1: try him for all those crimes, you know. That's what they true. that's what they miss, you know. Well, yeah, but as many times as he, like he's been showing up in the pages like Savage Avengers recently, and you know, like yeah, they 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 got a use for him and you know, this and that and the other, but even this. And granted, these are like more ground-level heroes and the, the, the folks who are not afraid to get themselves dirty. Like, yeah, if, if it was all that case, they would be, even be trying to do that on a, more, on a more obvious list. But they don't, because of reasons. But uh, I was going to even say, mention that uh, there was a character from back in the ages and you know who I'm talking about, Scourge of the Underworld, who right. pretty much also did that, but was also a villain.
0: Right. But he also didn't have the cool symbol, uh, symbolism, you know? Uh, yeah, that, He didn't have that cool uniform. You know, there's a couple. You know, that's I. I you know, I, I. You know, we have to freely admit that's really what. That's all they know. All right. they know is the symbol, right. right? Right? How scary it can be. Right. And that's right. what's lame. Oh, you yeah. know, so you know they can all go to hell in a handbasket. I, I will put the symbol on myself and mow them down. You heard that, <laughs> Google.
1: You know, and he also knows the legal ramifications of saying such a thing, exactly. so he can do that. But, you know,
0: uh, but I mean, but that's what it comes down to.
1: You right. know, you know, it,
0: it, it's kind of like what the punisher. You know, what's funny is that the punisher would turn the tables on all these jokers.
1: Mm-hmm. You know, right?
0: And it and, and and it's the same thing in the next story. Exactly,
1: so, and I was just going to say and, and real quickly, like yeah, we've also had stories where the co-creator of, of the Punisher was like uh, admonishing these folks, where in, in just like uh, a similar vein in this next story,
0: right? Because at the end of the day, these characters would actually turn the tables on all of these uh, seditionists and, uh, and 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 traitors. Um, Jack Kirby's son condemned the rioters using Captain America symbols, and that's just disgusting to me that they would even think about that. Right? Like they would even. Think about carrying those colors. The son of Marvel, uh, uh, you know, uh, the son of Jack Kirby uh, spoke out about the Captain America iconography scene uh, being used by Trump supporters storming the Capitol. Uh, Captain America, one of Marvel Comics' most enduring and iconic characters, was created in 1941 by the late Jack Kirby along with partner Joe Simon. Um, When some were seen wearing Captain America's highly recognizable imagery during the riots at the Capitol building last week, Kirby's son spoke up about the disgusting and disgraceful use of his father's co-creation. CNN's anchor Jake Tapper uh, shared a message from Neil Kirby on Twitter saying, Neil Kirby, the son of Captain America co-creator Jack Kirby, was distressed to see some of the January 6th terrorist rioters. Wearing shirts with versions of his dad's creation, corrupted by the image of the outgoing president. Um, and he has a message to them that's uh, a little on the long side, but it's definitely worth reading. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's, you know, there's, seriously, like Cap would would have bashed all their heads in.
1: Yeah. Also, sad, sad that we have, as far as I know, anyway, we haven't seen anything along the same lines from Marvel proper, which also kind of bums me out. On either one of these cases, also, I mean, we did kind of see something in the Punisher case, like previously, but even then, it was like eh, 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 kind of wishy-washy. Um. So that's kind of sad. because the thing
0: is, they have to sue the people who are violating
1: the copyright. So okay. they have to find out where those shirts are coming from.
2: Right. That's well, I mean, they- I
1: mean, but even just saying something like, hey, we don't condone the use of, you know, XYZ, ABC, you know, we haven't seen anything along that lines either. Well, you know, Perlmutter. Yeah, that's and there you go. That's exactly the problem. Um, but hopefully that'll get taken care of at some point also. But... um on to other news though. Hasbro Marvel Legends She-Hulk figure available for pre order. Um, this is a cool thing. Yes, it is. And it's not the it's not Grey Hulk. Uh it is She Hulk. No, it's a repaint of that gray She Hulk. Right. Uh so yeah, we've got a brand new Marvel Legends uh She Hulk feature which we had there she's had at least one or two more as uh one of which uh HS just mentioned. Um, has been announced for pre-order this afternoon on Pulse as well as other retailers you can see the pictures here on the video if you're watching the video version uh, and it looks good and I'm probably going to get one obviously you know got the show coming up so you know, it was a good time for them to put another one out and all of the, the, um, the places you would expect like Hasbro uh, Pulse, Best Buy, Best Buy, Big Bang Toy Store and Entertainment Earth you can definitely pre-order from there It's up on Amazon as well. I would also mention that
0: uh, it kind of coincides with the most recent uh, developments of the She-Hulk character in the Avengers book. She doesn't necessarily have that gigantic build, but she definitely has a much more um, streamlined Hulk look as opposed to... um, that uh the 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 gray Hulk that they originally
1: based this figure on right because coming out of empire they pretty much loki dealt with that um mm-hmm. right and actually we still haven't seen that one shot that's supposed to be supposed to be mentioned in some of that also uh, uh, uh immortal she-hulk yeah but i know so, it's coming is it yeah it came out a long time ago we all read it Wow, oh, i don't even remember it <laughs> Okay, I'm gonna need to go back and read it because I don't remember reading it. Regardless, it's on Marvel limited. <laughs> oh wow! Okay. Well, like I said, I, I don't remember it then. So, so hey, listen, we read a lot of books, folks. Yeah, but I feel like I would have remember reading that one. Uh, but then again, I'm probably and was, like you said, we do read a lot, so I don't know. Yeah, Could be slipping on September 23rd, 2020. It. Huh? Weird. I totally don't remember that. Um. So yeah. Anyway, this series, this this is out and again, like I said, like and like Agent Seven said is out on Amazon also. So, you know, if you are so inclined, check it out. I probably will pre-order this one actually.
0: Sounds good. All right, next up. Um Arcade One up is releasing X Men and more cabinets. Oh yo yo. Yay. I have not yet gotten one of these cabinets. Um, I it makes me think I got to move into a suburban McMansion to have a game room. Uh, old school arcades are mostly gone, but the arcade cabinet still holds a special place in the hearts of many like us olds. Um, for those wishing to recapture a little piece of the early '90s, come on, '80s folks. Arcade One yeah, yeah. Up has announced the line. La- its line of arcade cabinets will soon include X Men. The lineup of upcoming cabinets and announced at CES 2021. And listed on Arcade One-Up's website include classics like X-Men, Dragon's Lair, Killer Instinct, and more. Also on the way are a new line of Legacy Edition arcade cabinets that will showcase some of the best games from Atari, Bandai, Namco, and Capcom. I understand that the X-Men cabinet is also going to include Captain America and the Avengers, as well as um,
1: another kind of multiple-character Game, I forget which one. Well, turtles already has, I believe turtles already has one. So it should, probably it's not that one. No,
0: no, no. I'm talking about Marvel. I know,
1: I know. But I was trying, trying to think, to think of I'm what else what what it would other
0: be. Game, right? I'm trying to think of what other game is piggybacking on this uh, particular cabinet. I, see, yeah. I did read, I did read um, uh, something about that. So yeah, if you don't know what, oh, I, arg- no, I know, I found it. It's. It's uh, Captain America and the Avengers, and Avengers and Galactic Storm.
1: Oh right, I totally forgot about that one. That's it. That's the third. That's
0: the third game that's included with that.
1: Right. Captain America. Okay, yeah. So those, I, I, yeah, I'm kind of with you about the space situation, but also I have a main emulator, later, so I could probably do the stuff in there. But it would be cool to have a, a, a cabinet with this stuff in it. Um, and if folks don't know, Arcade 1UP does um, arcade cabinets, but they're like scaled down slightly. So they go down to probably like um, a, maybe a third smaller of the of the actual arcade cabinet. Even if you even know what arcade, because I know some of y'all are young and don't know even know what an arcade machine is. I was about to
0: say, uh, luckily, I've had a chance to play on some of them thanks to them, thanks to Arcade 1UP having um, uh, boots at both Toy Fair. The one time I was able to go to Toy Fair, thanks to PCN underscore dirt. And um, at New York Comic Con, uh, they've featured heavily over the last couple of years. Not last year, obviously, but right. um, uh, they've had the cabinets there. And I've played the, um, uh, the Street Fighter slash Marvel versus Capcom and, and Marvel Super Heroes um, cabinets. And yes, it's a little cramped. There's not a lot of elbow room if you're playing against another player, but it's mm-hmm. still a
1: great experience indeed and yeah they even sell them oh hell if you got a Walmart, you know they sell some of them there i don't like i can't remember if they're like out they're, like, out on the show but they definitely like you see like little stands for them actually no you think yeah you you'll see a little stand for them but i don't think they're like out out there because it's a playable obviously um but yeah arcade went up to you that stuff they also have this one board sit down cabinet uh for board games i think they're working on too which is really cool i would really love i would put that in my living room even if i didn't have anybody to play with but space also is consideration. So there's that. But yeah, check that out, Digital Leisure. They're not they're not really too terribly expensive, but they're a little pricey. Anyway, uh Lucasfilm Games. Actually, I'm gonna take both of these next these next two, if you don't mind. Fine. Um, Lucasfilm Games <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I know uh, Agent Seventy is not real big on the video games, but still, you know, so. Uh but these are connected. Uh Lucasfilms returns as the official home of Star Wars Games and more. Um And I forgot to put this in the article uh, in here also, but there was also Bethesda at the same time that this came out that Bethesda is revealing a new Indiana Jones game who's going to be made by the Wolfenstein Studio Machine Games. Um, So that'll be interesting. But uh, the only thing I have to say about this is like, well, so Lucasfilm's... um, It's a weird thing with them. So in in October 2012, Disney dropped the roughly $4 to acquire Disney Lucasfilm and the Star Wars Multimedia Empire. Six months later, uh, in April 2013, uh, it pulled the plug on LucasArts, which is not the first time that has happened that uh, LucasArts had gotten out of the uh, video gaming business, by the way. Or Disney, if for that matter. Um... But they did it because they wanted to clean house so they could put it back under the umbrella. Uh, An exclusive deal to make Star Wars video games were made with EA, Electronic Arts, later that year. A relationship that still, by some estimates, has not gone smoothly as expected because of things happening with some stuff that they put out. Uh, But now, you know, Disney announced uh, that a new era of storytelling in Star Wars and beyond that will take place under the revived Lucasfilm Games banner. And I'm, and this is cool. But also, as I was about to say, that this is also a thing that we've been through before with both Lucasfilm and Disney, and they've gotten out. You know, like they've come in for a little while and then just kind of happens to get out for some reason. So I'm hoping this time they actually stick a little bit more, um, and not pull games and whatnot, and like they like they've done a couple times in the past. So. Um, but nevertheless um, yeah this is stuff and they already got some stuff lined up including the aforementioned uh, Indiana Jones game from, uh, from, you know, from um, Bethesda and also with this next story um, Ubisoft massive creators of open world games The Division and The Division 2 um, and other stuff will be making an open world Star Wars game obviously not much is known about it outside of the fact that it's going to be Ubisoft maps, it's going to be open world and it's going to be under the the revived Lucasfilm uh, video game banner so I guess we'll get more of that come E3 this year whatever E3 ends up being this year next up
0: all right, the game you know and love is coming back on Nintendo Switch, PlayStation 4, Xbox One, and more. Rediscover Scott Pilgrim, the video game. Um, the beloved 2D arcade style beat up, up uh, inspired by the iconic comic book series and movie. It's available January 14th, 2021, as in right now. Yep, it came out this... today as of this recording right this complete edition includes the original scott pilgrim versus the world the game as well as its original dlcs the knives chow and wallace wells add-on packs
1: yeah so it, you know as, as as i just said and this, and this thing says it's a cool beat him up in the vein of if you've ever heard of a, a little game called river city ransom which it takes heavily from but also beat him up like final fight and you know um streets of rage that kind of stuff so uh, I definitely got it, and it's fifteen bucks, so if you like me bought the original version of this and was like, "Why are you why am I going to double dip?" Eh, you know it's on the switch now or uh, in other places and I actually and they took them off the they took it off the market like a few years ago because some odd reason I think it may or may not have to do with licensing so also look forward to maybe a stream of that coming forward from someone on this panel hmm. in and and maybe a couple of days. Next up, uh, Steve Lytle, classic Legion of Superheroes artist, has died at age 61. So uh, Matthew Lytle, Steve Lytle's son, made the announcement on his father's Facebook account uh, saying, This is Matthew Lytle, Steve Lytle's son. This morning my father passed away from cardiac arrest. Um, I wish to thank all of you for your friendship to my father and also ask that if you are a Patreon follower, please cancel your account as we're just, uh, beginning to take care of his affairs. So, which I did not know he had a, had a Patreon account, but, uh, there you go. So, you know, like I said, um, Steve Lytle, like this article says, more known, most known for, uh, Legion of Superheroes artists, but he apparently also started doing some AC comics and, um uh, and was also a part of the creative team that killed Legionnaire Karate Kid, who I still don't know too much about. He also did cover artists for... Uh, oh, yeah. The Marvel's classic X-Men uh, title, which was pretty much the um, reprinting old X-Men uh, stories. I do remember it because I used to collect those, too.
0: Right, when it wasn't... Um, when it wasn't Arthur Adams. Right. So... so yeah uh what the, that's one of those names that i didn't recognize but i see his work and i'm like oh i do remember some of that stuff right there's a legion cover that you know that that i remember seeing like oh you know his his work was very good and he died way too young
1: so yeah, indeed so um condolences to his family and friends for and 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 all of that
0: um, absolutely next up all right, next up uh, Jeff Lemire has announced that he's working with artist Doug Monkey on a secret series for DC's black label imprint revealed in his newsletter Lemire said he and Monkey originally talked about working together over a decade ago with the plan finally coming to fruition okay
1: hey yeah I don't think it was we don't know what it is but it's fine anyway uh, next we talked kind of talked about this a little bit earlier but not to this extent, and I know we've had stuff behind us uh, in the past, but um, DC has introduced the next Batman, now they explained who he is, according to this article. So, in the current flash-forward uh, DC event future state, Tim Fox has taken over the mantle of the Dark Knight with a moniker as the next Batman, Batman which is still weird to me. Uh, his path to becoming Batman will now be told in an in-continuity, digital-first series titled The Next Batman uh second son. Uh debuting February twenty third, the twelfth chapter, The Next Batman Second Son will be written by the returning John Ridley and joined by a new art team of Tony Atkin, Akins, uh Travel Foreman, and Mark Morales. So yeah, we I feel like we had talked about this before, uh, you know, with the stuff that John Ridley is doing, you know, he's the other side of uh the of DC history that he's doing. This and small strokes, but also the 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 um the future state book that he that came out last week that he wrote, so this is all pretty much in that next up next up
0: Robin will be the latest new ongoing series launch for d c s infinite frontier reboot slash refresh the new series by writer Joshua Williamson. And artist Gleb Melnikov launches Tuesday, April 27th, and interestingly will star Batman's son Damian Wayne in his brand new Darker Duds and Not Tim Drake. Tim, the former star of an ongoing series that ran 183 issues over 15 years, was the Robin who got his own Future State two-issue series. Future State is serving as an inspiration for many of DC's subsequent Infinite Frontier launches and series refreshes. Okay.
1: Yeah, and uh, as this article notes that Damon doesn't appear to have a president's future state, which for some odd reason so that's whatever, I guess we know why. Um, adult graphic novel sales figures revealed nearly 30% jump in 2020, which I read this article on like adult graphic novels and then I realized they are talking about manga. <laughs> and I'm sitting here like, is that what we're
0: calling That's <laughs> not how I read adult graphic novels.
1: Right, exactly. And I'm sitting here like really? Is that what we're calling manga now? Um, But according to this article, 16.2 million adult graphic novels were sold in print in 2020, according to a report from the publishing tracking service NPD. Uh, With those sales, led by My Hero Academia, the adult graphic novels portion of the uh, North American book industry jumped 29.1% compared to 2019. And then you get the top 10 list of, um, uh, of the books and definitely out of those top 10 my hero academia is like half of that list with demon slayer coming in with at least at one point which i still need to watch that um but yeah that's kind of crazy i know people like them so, so my hero academia what's um, a, what's a, i mean what else is on the list i'm pulling it up now just to, i'm curious what i'm saying top 10 is pretty much mostly uh manga and specifically, wow. and specifically, My Hero Academia and Demon Slayer. I don't know these other two books, but there's also a book in here which I assume is uh, manga, uh, which is a Junji Ito book. And I don't know this first one because I've never heard of it before. But.
0: Yeah, what is this? The boy, the mole, the fox, and the horse? We're we're we're
1: absolutely exhibiting our ignorance of this. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, no idea what this is it says from British illustrator, artist uh, and author, uh, Charlie McKenzie comes a journey for all ages that explores life's universal lessons featuring 100 uh, color and black and white drawings uh, oh, okay then it just kind of goes into the description of that so yeah, it doesn't, definitely doesn't seem like manga, but actually in a some sort of graphic novel yeah, this
0: is definitely more like a classic graphic novel. I'm just clicking through the images that are shared mm. on uh, the Amazon page for this book. Uh, not a lot of dialogue, not a lot of narration, but that's
1: it's really more of a traditional graphic novel style. Right. But, yeah, as of the top ten, like I said, the, the, the crux of it is manga.
2: Mm-hmm. Um,
0: yeah, manga. no, I, mean, I was going to say more than the main focus. It's like, what is it, eight out of ten or something like that? Mm-hmm. Seven out
1: of 10 yeah i don't know what that strange planet one is either but was, we would assume it's like that that first one we were just talking about and even this article kind of says breaking down the adult graphic novels category further manga was the subcategory with the highest year to year to year growth mm-hmm. uh, 2020 saw a 43.7 increase over 2019 because i guess for possibly obvious reasons but also mangas have been getting bigger big bigger and bigger in the last four or five years or one would you know, one would say. So, that's not that big of a surprise.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, but yeah, there you go. There's yeah. that.
0: I was say, Strange Planet is definitely um, a little bit more of the graphic novel style that we're used to.
2: Gotcha. But
0: definitely a much, much more simplistic uh, art style, but definitely uh, telling a story. Mm. Interesting stuff. Cool. Uh, last but not least... Last but not least, our last story of the night. Uh, The 6th Annual Dwayne McDuffie Awards for Diversity in Comics finalists have been named. uh, The finalists for the 6th Annual... Uh, Dwayne McDuffie Award for Diversity in Comics have been named with a winner to be announced in February during Black History Month. The award is meant to honor the commitment to excellence commitment to excellence and inclusion both on the page as well as behind the scenes in honor of the late comic book and animation writer, editor, producer Dwayne McDuffie. Um, the finalists are They Called Us Enemy by writers George Takei. Justin Eisinger, Stephen Scott, and illustrated by Harmony Becker from IDW. Excellence by writer Brandon Thomas and artist Kari Randolph. um, We're familiar with that. From Truth With Truth by writer-artist Lawrence Lindell. That's self-published. Angola Janga, Kingdom of Runaway Slaves by writer-artist Marcelo de Salette from Fantagraphics. And Iyanu, Child of Wonder by writer Roy... Okupe and artist Godwin Akpan from Unique Studios. Congratulations on being nominated yeah, and being heard, finalists.
1: Yeah. I've heard of that Unique Studios from another one of those books that I'm pretty sure I still haven't read yet. But, you know, I remember seeing something from a free comic book day from them. So, But anyway, yeah, that is very much cool. And I would imagine when the finalist... Um, well, when things are rewarded next month, uh, we will probably more likely um, report on it. And that, folks, is the end of the news section. I've uh, got one more ad read.
0: Our last ad read of the night is for Wink, the personalized wine club. Wink is a world of wine delivered right to your door. From rosé to cabernet to toronté, Wink has over 100 styles of wine to discover. Ever try an orange wine? Wink connects you to a world of exclusive wines tailored to your tastes and delivered directly to your door. Wink delivers four bottles of wine to you every month with free shipping. You can pick your own bottles or let Wink choose and match to your taste. It doesn't cost a thing to become a member, and you can skip or cancel anytime. And now the listeners of the Comic Book Chronicles can enjoy an exclusive discount of $20 off your first order. To place your first order with $20 off, and to help keep our show free for you, go to our network website at cspn.us forward slash wink. That's cspn.us forward slash W-I-N-C. Wink Wines through CSPN. Do it today!
1: and as we come to the end of another episode of the Comical chronicles we'd like to thank each and every one of you folks for coming out whether it be for the recorded uh, live recording or in the audio form thereafter um, uh, I have been well actually I'll go ahead and get this out of the way before I even do that um, next week 400th episode folks it's, it's been a long road Exactly. exactly. Four hundred. Four hundred, and again, like I said earlier, um, that's you know kind of give or give or take some you know some other stuff that's uh, that's kind of out there, um, but this is our official numbering that definitely puts us past four hundred. Um, we're we're fairly certain about that. <laughs> I yes. love how
0: we equivocate with this now. Yeah, but, you no, know. Four hundred episodes in, folks. Help us celebrate next week.
1: Absolutely, absolutely, and we're going to have a, a special guest. And hopefully, um, if not most, well, most if not all of the uh, the crew back and back together, folk will be formed in some sort of way.
0: Let's hope. I will cue up the sound effect.
1: Indeed, indeed. Um, so yeah, we're, we're, and we will have a special. Special guest, a friend of the show. We can safely say here, and also, some of you who have been around with us for a long time will definitely know uh, this person. Um, Classic, A.K.A. the founder of, uh, well, formerly known as Classic Material, but you know, uh, Classic, uh, also known as the uh, the the founder and head of, uh, well, the former head of the Coals of the Podcast Network. So, look forward to that next week. That being said, I have been RoddyCat. You can find me at RoddyCat on Twitter. You can find me at News Need on Twitter. You can also find me at CBcaps on Instagram. <coughs> Agent underscore 70 on Twitter and Instagram. <coughs> PCN underscore Dirt on Twitter. Popculturenet on Twitter. PopCultureNetwork.com and all those umbrella sites therein. And probably also on Byte the, uh, the, um, the Vine Replacement. As uh, comic reviews, no vowels. Tim, D O G G 9 8 on Twitter, the Osiris that is, ish. You can also see, find him at uh, CB Kron on Twitter, which is the Comic Book Chronicles uh, uh, Twitter account. Uh, the Click Nation on Twitter, theclicknation.com. That's the K L I Q N A T I O N, all one word. Uh, but also, you can see him over on comic Book, uh, excuse me, Comic Book Resources, where he's over there writing his face off. This here program you can find on, which I'm almost pretty certain I forgot to do earlier in the show. You can find on the coast of the Podcast Network. That's cspn.us. Do it today. You can also find this on your podcast personal place of choice, whether it be Google Play, Apple, iTunes, uh, Spotify, or the coast of the Podcast Network's SoundCloud page. Remember to like, subscribe, and leave us some five star reviews there it is do all of that any of it and all of that uh you can also catch us here every thursday uh night where we record live um uh, nine thirty ish p.m on the previously mentioned uh, uh youtube channel of the Com of the click nation excuse me that's youtube.com slash the click nation but also on twitch.tv slash comic book chronicles uh, definitely give us a follow over there so we can get up to, so we can get up to 50 and do some, uh, upload some other stuff that we can share with you folk.
0: All right. Make sure to subscribe so you get the notification that we're on.
1: Absolutely. And thank you to the, to the person that followed earlier, whom I know of, uh, from discord. So I appreciate your cap from doing that. If you're still around, huh? which I I'm not sure if he is, but regardless, um, and yeah, if you have questions or anything, actually, you can put them in said chat on Twitter and YouTube, which I probably should do better about checking both of those, uh, now that we have this set up. But regardless, or, you know, on the Twitter, at the CB Cron, or, you know, our individual, you know, um, things we, we don't mind as- answering combo questions. Absolutely. Or live questions. I don't know. <laughs> That being said, folks, uh, be here next week, like I said, for the 400th episode and all the merriment therein. Hopefully it will be a good time for you and those. And, of course, the aforementioned, well, not aforementioned because I didn't mention them this time, but I did mention the fact that we have our end of the year discussion coming up. And also, um, I'm probably going to actually put out uh, a treasury-like edition for The Mandalorian Season 2 in audio form. I'm not sure if I'm going to mess with the video, but I can, you know, we'll see about that. Sure. That being the case, folks, this has been the Combo Chronicles. Peace. Peace. One.
2: Wakanda forever!